0: I'm Benji, A.K.A. Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me, as
1: usual, Andrew, Chief Magnus. I just added the Magnus part. The third. So, the, the the third. <laughs> the was yes. missing that
0: third. Yes.
1: <laughs> you know what? I'm changing it right now. <laughs> You're right about that. Well,
0: as Andrew Chief Magnus the Third changes that, we just saw the Batman last night, Woo! and we're going to do a non-spoiler overall reaction to it, real quick. We'll release first, and then for Monday after the movie's out, you guys will get the full episode with this review, as well as our very spoilerific deep dive into the comparisons with the comics. You do not want to watch that before you see the movie, and so,
1: probably the spoiler-filled review in that episode. Too, yeah, like a, yeah, a quick one. Yeah. Um, but the non-spoiler one and this first one, right? So yeah,
0: yeah. So you want me to go first, or do you want? Me I want.
1: W- I want you to go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So everyone's wondering, what did we think of the Batman? We've been getting some comments on our Instagram post as well about it. So I'll just say straight up, it's two thumbs up for both of us, I think. At least I liked it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You right. Did I love it? I don't know yet. It's
1: (laughs) weird. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's weird, right? I don't don't know how you feel about it. It's like I liked a lot of it. There's not really anything I didn't like, but I felt like I'm still absorbing it like a day later. But the more I think about it, the more I like it. it, just, it just doesn't, it's not an automatic, like, oh, my God, this is the best thing ever, which I know some some people have felt themselves. But when I walked out, it was more like, wow, there's a lot to, to absorb and think about. It's a little tough, too, because it's, it's definitely in the shadow. Any Batman live-action thing is going to be in the shadow of the Dark Knight trilogy. And it does have its own identity, but there is enough of a similarity and feel and tension to certain scenes that, you know, comparisons are going to be inevitable. But if we are going to make a contrast... The Nolan's take does still have very crowd-pleasing blockbuster action movie moments, and this take like even reduces that down. It's darker, it's more serious. It does still have like action movie moments, don't get me wrong. You're still, it's still very PG-13 in some ways, but it's just not something we're necessarily as used to. This is the crime thriller detective story Batman we wanted. It's just we haven't really seen something like this, so that when we actually get it, it's like, oh, I'm not used to it. Even if I wanted that, I'm not quite used to that yet. Uh, and then Robert Pattinson, it's a similar feeling where I'm just like, I don't know if he's my favorite. In terms of his favorite live-action Batman actor, it's still Keaton probably, and it might always be Keaton. There are times <laughs> where maybe I thought Pattinson might have been a little too stoic as Bruce, and honestly, sometimes his voice kind of sounded a little too close to how it should have ended Batman to me. <laughs> but <laughs> in terms of characterization, in terms of the writing of it, it's got to be one of my favorites in live action like this lived up to the idea it's going to be a detective story I told Andrew while we were sitting through the credits like if you don't think Batman's a detective after seeing this movie I don't know what to tell you like they went all out with this but the best way I can describe this version is that he's kind of got the intelligence of that we haven't seen in anything as extreme as with Adam West and so he's kind of got the intelligence of Adam West for 2022 he's got the creature of the night physicality of michael keaton that i wasn't expecting him to sort of be able to channel and i haven't seen anybody since keaton really do that very as well Uh, he's got the rage of christian bale and he's got the fighting ability of ben affleck so i mean that right there is the winning combination you got like the greatest of each great batman in there uh i don't think it's much to give away that he's more batman than bruce wayne and it's pretty evident from the trailers uh on that obviously there are scenes of him when he is bruce but the way he is bruce is basically batman without wearing a costume (laughs) the way he walks as bruce is the same he walks as batman and it's deliberate there is room for him to become to develop more of a bruce wayne side uh in the future uh it's one of those things where i'm just like well it's not really much in this one but it could be something to still develop so i can't really hold it against them for that so you know maybe give him two more movies or just even one more movie i could see him becoming one of my favorites I, again i've only seen this once and obviously we've only seen it once so we're just going off of a fresh react maybe over time i'll, I'll say stuff dif- differently but he is there's almost i know people are going to laugh but there's almost still a vampire type quality to it that i know like people laugh because of twilight but i'm just like of course he's a fucking vampire he's a creature of the night in a cape who preys on people it's perfect you know, in terms of perception.
1: I, I felt the vampire vibe too. And I, yeah, the twilight stuff is kind of unfortunate these days, but I mean, it gives a shit. It's, it's a cool vampire yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the, it's
0: the appropriate amount of vampire vibe. It's not mm-hmm. Edward from twilight vampire. It's Dracula vampire type. Yes. Yes. And then also a lot of people gave Pattinson shit for not being Ben Affleck size wise and kind of body shaming him. Once you see him in the suit, he's a fucking beast. He's not Batfleck size but he's like second to Batfleck I felt like it. He's he's bulky in that. I didn't yeah. expect him to look yeah. like that. Uh and the Batsuit itself, I actually think I I like the Batsuit a lot more when I saw it. I know that we kind of gave it like a B in the rankings, I might move that up to an A. I uh, like I really liked it once I saw it in action. I'm like, "You know what? I I, I really dig this." Um Jeffrey Wright might be my favorite Gordon. <laughs> he's actually the main one out of the cast where i'm immediately like you might be my favorite live action version of this character automatically he's got that veteran toughness as well as like that weariness i've been doing this shit for way too long type of feeling (laughs) to um, him. to the point where i'm just like fine i'll team up with a guy in a bad suit whatever like it's it's cool there is some humor in the movie that comes from him but it fits the movie's tone it doesn't seem out of place like it feels in you know some other like some MCU movies or even sometimes in the Dark Knight trilogy where I'm just like, did you have to do a joke there? They don't really do that in here. There's still humor, but it feels very appropriate to the scene and the tone of the characters. Some of the other co- humor comes from Colin Farrell's Penguin. Colin Farrell just shows what everyone's been saying for years. Like he's a, he's a character actor with leading man looks. And once you bury those looks in prosthetics, he just completely disappears in the role. You know, you want to see more of him. So really looking forward to that HBO Max Penguin stuff. Paul Dano is terrifying as the Riddler. It's so different from the other Riddlers, I can't even really compare him to Gorshin or Jim Carrey or any of those. He's definitely the scariest. And I'm kind of glad they didn't go too overboard with the whole, uh, you know, jigsaw from Saw type thing that I know a lot of people wanted years ago. And, and I was just like, eh, that seems a little too much. Thankfully, they, they had just the right amount of horror movie for this one. Uh, Zoe Kravitz as catwoman. Similar to Peniston, I don't, I can't say yet that she's my new favorite, but characterization is solid, and as I predicted, the movie nailed down the chemistry, the dynamic between the two of them, in a way that we haven't really seen uh, as strongly before, in my opinion. Uh, John Turturro, mesmerizing as Carmine Falcone. I was not expecting him to be um, have as significant of a presence as he did in the movie. Andy Serkis is a good Alfred, just a similar problem to Jeremy Irons. I felt like there wasn't enough of him to make the same impact as, like, Michael Caine or Michael Goff over four movies. Uh, and the big MVP of the movie, outside of the cast and the director, it's got to be Michael Cicchino for the score. He's got all these different themes, a heroic Bruce Wayne theme mixed in with the vengeful Batman theme. It's the best Batman theme in years. And I like the ones from Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL, but this is the next iconic one. It's the first, like, hummable movie ones since you know arguably the schumacher ones people were humming dun dun dun, dun like out of the theater you know or maybe that was just <laughs> you and me i don't know but like <laughs> no, i was it definitely can't be just that. us yeah so i don't know it might not be my favorite batman movie yet or it might not be my favorite batman movie and that's okay but it's definitely up there it's definitely growing on me i need another viewing andrew
1: I was interested to see what you'd say. You said a lot of the stuff that I was thinking. Like, let mm-hmm. say from the top, it's like an eight point five or a nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough to do this with, with a non spoiler review, but uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's start from the with the. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm, gonna, I'm having a hard time uh, deciding where to start. Okay, so the he- you said the one characters. of the heroes was yep. was Giacchino, Giacchino. How you yeah, his name? The music, yeah. I'd also have to say Craig or Greg Fraser, the guy that was the DP. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The director mm. of photography. Fraser, yeah. Dude, this is this movie is shot like a motherfucker. It mm-hmm. looks so good. And like we've seen the Alex Ross penguin shots, pe- mm-hmm. comparisons, but there was one shot, this is not too much of a spoiler, but it's like Batman in the rain. It looks like an another Alex Ross painting. It looks like mm-hmm. it's Alex the the uh, war, I think. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, war on crime. Yeah, like that was just stuff like that's incredible. And you see it in the trailer, you're going to see even more of it, obviously in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then okay, so so Pattinson Batman, I liked him a lot, and I was yeah. thinking the whole time like, I like this, but I know a lot of people probably won't like this <laughs> yeah. as much as me. Yeah, uh, I, he is so um intense in the cowl mm-hmm. he has such an intense presence he broods like like crazy mm-hmm. and that's great for batman that's why it works for me uh and i love the fact this is all over twitter and you've already said it but like uh it's like um he's it's like 90 percent in the bat suit yeah there's like two ba- two bruce wayne scenes <laughs> in this movie this movie does not give a fuck about Bruce Wayne <laughs> that much. One, I, so I watch a lot of reviews today to prepare for this part mm-hmm. of us doing this today. Yeah, and um, they they it kind of felt like Bruce is dead. Like Bruce, I thought there was mm-hmm. gonna be a sixth sense reveal at the end. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Bruce. In a sense, metaphorically, Bruce is dead and only Batman lives. And when he becomes Bruce, they don't say this out loud, but it does really feel like he's annoyed being Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He just wants to be Batman. So I thought that all that stuff is done so well. The action I thought was done well. The uh, It's hard to get into specifics without spoilers, but and we're still kind of processing because it was just last night. Mm-hmm. But the... Uh, I can't tell just yet because I'm still processing if the action scenes are as good as the warehouse scene. Like mm-hmm. Snyder's just so absolutely stellar at that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I mean, there was some fucking action scenes in this that were like, especially that end one. That's like yeah. it was it was fucking up there. It did go crackerjack. So yes. that 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 I really appreciated. Um characterization uh with all the characters is great uh the Catwoman, like you said i think most people agree with this right this bat cat chemistry is the probably the best on screen mm-hmm. she might not be your favorite Catwoman, but the chemistry between them is better than in batman returns
0: mm-hmm.
1: absolutely nailed it and i love that she's she's just on her own journey and they just happen to fucking line up
0: yeah it's perfect you know yeah
1: like they have just similar goals they're looking in the same they're this is a cheesy thing i read in high school but they're people in love don't look at each other they look at the same direction like that's kind of how it is though in this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right so i thought that was done well she's great she's like scrappy as hell like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i really i i like that i like her Catwoman a lot so there's that uh the penguin fucking rules. I fucking <laughs> yes. I fucking loved him, dude. Like mm. I was, I woke up this morning saying, "Take it easy, sweetheart." <laughs> yeah, you know, I I could have done with a lot more penguin. Yeah. Um, and that's another the testament to this movie is that no one's in the movie too long. Mm-hmm. Everyone just shows up right like just enough and Alfred's like not even in there enough. Like Alfred's got like literally two scenes it feels like. Yeah. He's and people have been talking about that a lot too, but um yeah. I mean, I I thought and I don't know why, but I wasn't like super excited about Circus going into this. But I liked him. I really yeah. did like him in this mm-hmm. movie. He's a very likable Alfred and their chemistry's really great and so I appreciated those scenes a lot with him uh and then what else we got oh yeah i do agree best gordon ever probably and dude it's hard to top gary oldman gary Mm -hmm. oldman is one of the all-time fucking greats Mm -hmm. out of acting he's one of my favorite actors but as gordon i just gave him more to do or something and jeffrey wright is just so so fucking likable him calling him him i'm about to it would be a minor spoiler but anyway he he their their banter is really great with each other it's almost like a buddy cop movie at times because mm-hmm. they share so much screen time together like they're kind of bros almost yeah which is which is great and uh <laughs> so yeah oh wait, so riddler god i can't get i can't spoil anything so all right non-spoiler about him creepy as fuck uh, definitely like serial killer base, like people are talking about. Love the the way he was introduced in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, Paul Dano just puts a stamp on this character. So yeah, stellar cast all around. I think the only con, the the main cons for me, it is probably fifteen to twenty minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, yeah. It's, anyway, people have been talking about it's a little long near the end and I can kind of agree with that a bit. Although the third act is great, mm-hmm. but again, come back to the spoiler fucking discussion. There's just <laughs> one story element, another story element that I think could have been like right on top of each other. And that could have made it a little, even more yeah, crackerjack. i, I can Totally see that. Yeah. You even know what I'm talking about probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, great score. DP is fucking wonderful. Matt Reeves. Overall thoughts, like, they did their own thing. This is mm-hmm. not like any of the other Batman films at all. And it's like Matt Reeves and his writing team. It seems like there were several other writers. Maybe one main one that was credited. I forget his name. Uh, uh but Peter Craig. Peter Craig.
0: Yeah.
1: From the town. Like, it's so... Um, it feels steeped in comics. It feels steeped in Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. I mean, you're the one that can talk about this more than even than, than me, but like, it feels like it's got the tone of long Halloween, like really has the tone of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, if not, the plot points aren't the same really, but the, but the, the tone of it is, is pretty close. And it's, and it being like a, it's a detective story through and through mm-hmm. like it. This is not like the Nolan thing where they just do one scene of detective shit. Yeah. The entire fucking movie is a detective story and it really benefited from that. And I could have done with a whole lot more of that. It, I mean, it was hundred <laughs> yeah. percent that, but, but yeah. more, I want this whole trilogy. Cause you know how the, the Riddler really lends itself to being a detective mm-hmm. story even if the next villain is Mr. Freeze or Hugo Strange or whoever, mm-hmm. I still want it to s- stay with this detective shit as much as Absolutely. they can. Yeah. As much as possible. Keep this tone. This tone worked like crazy. And some people said this too I've in other reviews, and I kind of agree, kind of don't. They said it's almost like Matt Reeves didn't have a style, and that's a good thing as far as it's just so fucking comic accurate tonally. You know? Yeah,
0: I don't know if I agree with with the, like, no style thing, but I do agree, like, there's so much comics in it, that's why we have, like, a whole deep dive that we're gonna get into for the
1: spoilerific version. Okay, yeah. Maybe that's not a word of the best, but it's like, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's, anyway, yeah, he does have his own style, it kind of felt like Blade Runner too, at times, just like the the neon another and Gotham, another element yeah. of it yeah yeah, yeah. so um, yeah there's there's a lot of great in this it's mm-hmm. it's just a, it's yeah it's just a just slightly long but that's yeah that's it i thought it was great it's fucking, that's our main it's, complaint it's great <laughs> yeah 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 i i mean yeah three hours i guess it was just it was inevitable but yeah if it was like two hours and 30 to 40 minutes it that'd be probably a good link people would say that's long but i think that's about probably about right for this movie
0: yeah though i mean if it was even longer i wouldn't have you know i don't think we would have complained either in terms of what because yeah, de- i know there's stuff they cut
1: depends on what happens of course but mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's dragging or the pacing is off too bad mm-hmm. it, it's I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's just some some parts, especially near the end, might have been better served if truncated at least a little bit. Or combined. Or combined. Yeah, combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, come back for the spoiler review. That's it. 8.5. 8.75, maybe. Let's say that for me.
0: I'd agree with that. Yeah. 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 That's uh, So, yeah, pretty, pretty fucking solid, though, overall. So. I'm
1: surprised. I'll say one last thing. I know we got to get to the actual fucking episode, Ben. Yeah, yeah. no problem. But there... Uh, There's, I'm surprised by how many people like, I was seeing rankings today and Mm -hmm. people really like still rank Batfleck as number one Batman. And like, I I like Batfleck a lot. I was always pro Batfleck. Mm -hmm. And I think his suit's number one. Yeah. But for me, I think, I think Pattinson's probably better than Batfleck overall, but that's just me. I thought he did very well. I, I really like Pattinson. I really I'd like Pattinson. I'd agree with that. You feel yeah.
0: for him a lot more. And again, it's yeah. not really, you know, it's never the actor's fault. It's not really Ben Affleck's fault and stuff. Yeah. It's just the material Pattinson is given. This is, you get way, like I think Pattinson arguably has even more screen time than Ben Affleck did in all the movies. If you combine. <laughs> he because does, he's in like dude, yeah. 99% of the scenes in this movie. Wearing the shit out of that bat
1: suit and emoting yeah. the fuck through the cowl.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah and then just there's a lot of different qualities that they wanted to highlight in the character that we've seen before but maybe not necessarily portrayed in the same way or shown in this specific way and and the the way that they make you show how just tortured this character is while also still heroic in his own way is it's just it just nails the a lot of the character
1: yeah it 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 nails it yeah Mm -hmm. it it's like the way he talks and the way he walks, also like there's mm-hmm. a lot of it. Seems like they 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 had they had talks about how Batman should walk, and it's just yeah. everything feels so deliberate. Yeah, everything exactly. is planned, and it mm-hmm. it just really works, you know. So yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: All right, well, guys, join us for the spoilerific discussion, which will be called the Batman versus comics. Though more appropriately, it's probably the Batman and comics, considering. Well, you know, you'll have to find out.
1: Versus just sounds good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Batman V comics. Yes. So <laughs> see you guys then.
0: It's time to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. The stunning HyperX Quadcast S features dynamic, customizable RGB lighting, a convenient tap-to-mute sensor, and four selectable polar patterns, so we can broadcast crystal clear audio, whether you're gaming, streaming, podcasting or impressing your remote colleagues and classmates. So what are you waiting for? Join the quad squad and tap in today with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. Come on in, what can I get you? sure i've heard of hair of the Dogcast. they're that podcast about video games and beer from the latest gaming headlines to diving deep into the games of yesterday to sampling and reviewing craft beer from all over the world hair of the Dogcast is here for the gamer and beer lover and all of us available weekly on the greenlit podcast network
1: take a time machine back to before the world went to hell around the year 2000. the 80s and 90s were so rad The movies, the music, the TV, the games. That's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to less than 2,000. Because that's all we talk about.
0: Adam and Chad live less than 2,000. Lord
1: have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all.
0: As you might have heard... And welcome to the spoilerific discussion: the Batman versus comics. Well, it should be more like the Batman and comics, because let's be frank, we're not really going to do what we did with the Dark Knight trilogy, where it's just like, here's all these creative decisions Nolan did, and here's the comic version and the differences, because the differences aren't really as fundamentally major, in my opinion. Yeah, as there were with the Dark Knight trilogy, it's more of just like, well, the Riddler design is different and the origin slightly different, but like you still have these other aspects. or other aspects that might not be in these specific versions of the characters that they could still develop in other versions, you know. So overall, let's dive in. So uh, first, inspirations. In in an April 8, 2018 tweet, Matt Reeves said that his favorite stories were year one, the long Halloween, dark victory, Darwin Cook's ego. He cited Neil Adams' work as well as loving the original cane and finger run from 1939 to 1940. In a later interview, he said that he read a ton of the Scott Snyder run. And there's definitely elements of Zero Year as well as an element from the Court of Owls. Uh, We also saw a lot of the Earth One comics in this. Uh, So for those listed, we did cover Year One, Ego, and the Cane Finger Run in our Patreon episodes as well as the Long Halloween in both our main show and our Patreon covering the comparisons between the Long Halloween comic and the Long Halloween animated movie. So check that out if you're part of our $5 tier. Uh, They released Year One, Ego, and the Long Halloween, of course, in their own box set. And then when we went to see the movie, they gave us the first issue of The Mm -hmm. Long Halloween with um, its own exclusive cover. So that was pretty cool going in. So let's go into the movie. As a disclaimer, I only saw it last night. I've only seen it once. So I'm going off of memory here. But (laughs) (laughs) I only had one day to prep all this. So here we go. Uh, Movie brings up that before the events of the story, there was a major drug bust involving mob boss Salvatore Moroni. Moroni, of course, is known as the guy who threw acid in Harvey Dent's face, turning him into Two-Face. Moroni's first name being Salvatore comes from The Long Halloween, where writer Jeff Loeb had changed it from the original name, Vincent Moroni, from the story he was retelling, Andrew Helfer's Eye of the Beholder. Check out our episode, Is the Long Halloween Overrated, from last year, where we covered how The Long Halloween was basically a remix of that story and The Godfather. But Another big thing is the opening is in Halloween, which I thought was really fucking cool.
1: Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I love that.
0: So that's another nice connection. But yeah, overall, Long Halloween, writer Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale, letters by Craft and Richard Starkings, colored by Gregory Wright. And uh, Matt Reeves has a personal connection to the writer Jeff Loeb because Jeff Loeb was his teacher, screenwriting teacher at USC. Also my alma mater.
1: Damn, um, that's cool.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty cool there. Uh, In a very disturbing opening, the Riddler appears and kills the mayor. (laughs) The way they did that was just, uh, it was, we were just gripped. It was gripping in the theater, just the way that it was done. Uh, Yeah. And this Riddler is very much his own sort of vigilante trying to expose corruption. And this is kind of similar to the Arkham Origins Riddler, who is trying to expose corrupt officials. And this kind of carried over into the Batman Earth One series, which was pretty inspirational overall, though, thank God they did not carry over the question mark tattoo.
1: <laughs> Dan- Dano's look was was better overall. Yeah, It's way better, a, yeah. Yeah, he just looks just fucked up, man. And, and like, honestly, kind of on the spectrum, <laughs> you know, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, I was glad was his that-
0: question marks were on his costume and in the coffee, and that's it. <laughs> no, that's a- like, you know, strip off, and I've got all these question marks tattooed on my body. Like, none of that bullshit.
1: That's about it. And I I love that they gave the only fuck to Penguin when he says, Happy fucking Halloween. <laughs> the one fucking you get in a PG-13 movie. Wait, wasn't that the commissioner? Was that him? Oh, I thought the it was the Penguin. The
0: commissioner said, I remember the, the, the commissioner com- saying, fuck, I don't remember the Penguin
1: saying it. Oh, shit. Let they us get know get in two the comments. fucks now. Wait, yeah. See, we're, we're still processing, guys.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Earth One was a major influence, written by Jeff Johns, pencils by Gary Frank, inks by John Cyball colors by Brad Anderson, and letters by Rob Lee. Uh, When we first meet Bruce Wayne, he wears an additional disguise that's dubbed The Drifter, with a backpack containing his Bat suit, And this allows him to sort of stealthily walk the streets and change into the Batman when he needs to. Matt Reeves says this is inspired by the disguise that he wore in Year One, which itself was inspired by Travis Bickle in Taxi
1: Driver. Oh, man. Uh,
0: The name of The Drifter is actually... From year one in the comic, a cop actually refers to Bruce's disguise as, quote, I've run in a thousand in a thousand like him drifters. So that's probably where they got that. Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, a resemblance to Bruce's disguise in a flashback from the comic. Whatever happened to the Cape Crusader with art by Andy Kubert, where he flat out has the bandana around his nose and mouth and is in the jacket and riding a motorcycle. Big thanks to Alex from the What Mean podcast for actually sending this to me and pointing that out. That's cool. Yeah. So that's cool here. Uh, this guy's also similar with a baseball hat to what Bruce kind of wears in zero year to remain incognito until his uncle outs that he's still alive. So that's sort of the connections to the Drifter. Let's go into Batman. So his bat suit, as discussed before, looks like the Telltale costume from the finale of the first game and all of the second game. The cowl has stitching on it, much like the stitching in the Batman Earth One cowl. And the suit has a collar on it, much like the cowl from Gotham by Gaslight, as well as the Batman from Sean Murphy's White Knight comics uh batman's line i'm vengeance also evokes the line from the batman earth one scene where he confronts penguin batman at one point electrocutes one of the gang members using a gadget this feels similar to the shock gloves from arkham origins which i think a lot of people pointed out when they saw this part in the trailer right
1: right 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 yeah
0: so uh batman from here sees the bat signal gets called to the crime scene of the mayor's death where we first meet jim gordon Jeffrey Wright is playing Gordon, and this is not the first time that Gordon's been black or the idea of Gordon being black has been proposed. In the 2003 Wizard Magazine pitch for Ultimate Batman, Gordon was made to kind of look like Morgan Freeman in Seven, as we see on the right. So
1: that's that's kind of an interesting thing.
0: And Of course, Seven is kind of it. I mean, it wasn't cited formally as an influence on this movie, but everybody said like, oh, it feels like Seven when they saw the first trailer. So
1: uh, it's definitely got a Fincher vibe. It does. Yeah. You know, so and Fincher also I mean, did
0: Zodiac and was involved with Mindhunter, which you were also credited as, as inspiration. So it kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah. Anything that has this kind of super gritty, dark vibe. Yeah. These days, I mean, they kind of owe Fincher a debt of gratitude. probably. Yeah. Especially. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Especially this one. Yeah. Uh,
0: at the crime scene, we meet police commissioner, Pete Savage. The names of the corrupt officials in Gotham city don't really come from the comics, Mayor Mitchell and D.A. Coulson are not comic book characters, but they are named after John Mitchell and Charles Coulson from the Nixon administration in the Watergate scandal. Uh, Oh, cool. Pete Savage, however, was not, or the name Savage does not come from the Watergate scandal. Pete Savage is actually from Batman 66. Nice. So Matt Reeves mainly seems to be drawing from TV shows rather than previous movie interpretations here. Pete Savage was the name of the descendant one of the founding families of Gotham, the Savages, and was played by, uh, I believe he's a French actor, Albert Carrier, or he's putting on a French accent in the episode. It's the episode, An Egg Grows in Gotham, written by Stanley Ralph Ross, and it was the debut of Vincent Price's Egghead, who, as you can see here, took him hostage. So, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if your name is Pete Savage in Gotham, you're already getting screwed by some supervillain. Yeah, right. So after investigating the mayor's death, Bruce returns home to Wayne Tower... And the Wayne Tower we get is very similar to the New 52. Take a look at that as designed oh, by shit. Greg Capullo. Yeah, we've got right. the uh, two points at the top that kind of look like the bat ears here. So <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs>
0: this is more of Zero Year written by Scott Snyder, art by Greg Capullo, inks by Danny Mickey, coloring by FCO Placencia, and letters by Nick Napolitano. Uh, Bruce living in Wayne Tower is something that sort of happened in the 1969 story, One Bullet Too Many, which is also what Bruce does in the Dark Knight movie. In this take on the origin, however, it seems that Bruce has been living there since before his parents were even murdered, so he's been there for a long time. Uh, This is also kind of reminiscent of Zero Year, where Bruce brings up that he wants to live in the city rather than in Wayne Manor, because being in the city is where the action is, where the streets are. Right. Uh, In this version, the Batcave is also located under Wayne Tower, much like the headquarters for Bruce Wayne in Zero Year. Uh, but also, Bruce added a bat cave at the bottom of Wayne Tower when he was living there in the 70s. So this ties into that. The comic I have here is from Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers' Strange Apparitions, as we've covered before. So nice. this bat cave appears to be accessed through tunnels underneath the city. And the prequel novel Before the Batman by David Luman establishes that it was a private railway for the Wayne family to just use to get home without anybody, you know, sort of disturbing them. Uh, we saw a Batcave using secret tunnels in the unmade Darren Aronofsky year one script. So there's some of that influence in there. Uh, and this is also kind of carries over into volume three of the Earth One comics, though that was released when this was in production. So I think that was more of just DC being just like, eh, it's in the movie. So just put it in the comic. Right. So one thing that I think I elbowed you at one point when we first heard the voiceover narration. Of yeah. Batman. I was like, like the first it. second or two of yeah. the
1: movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. like, they
0: did it. They did it. Yeah. So uh, Batman's narration comes from him writing in his journal. Uh, and this is actually an idea from the comics that Batman journals every night that he goes out and stuff. I don't know when he has time. But uh, <laughs> he, he handwrites it into the journal in the movie. And he does it so in the comics here. In Grant Morrison's Batman number 673, he says, quote, every afternoon I record the details in a black A4 spiral-bound notebook, as if it's procedure and not just madness. So that seems to be reference there. Another cool thing is Bruce Don's contact lenses that connect to the bat computer for detective mode, which is from the Court of Owls, in the beginning of the Court of Owls comic.
1: Right, right.
0: So definitely influence there. In the Bat Cave, we get to meet this version of Alfred, who evokes the Earth-1 version with the beard, the SAS background, the fact that he trained Bruce, he also walks with a cane, much like the Earth One yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was all just directly from that. Yeah. And uh, as it's mentioned, like in he's our...
1: been fucked up in the past. Yeah, he yes, has from war duty. or something. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, as mentioned in our Patreon episode on Alfred, Albert Fried ended up being solidified as having had time in the SAS in the comics, in the Batman Eternal storyline, who. You know, he shares that debate here in that story. Uh, Alfred also appears to have a scar around his eyes from an injury, I noticed. And Alfred's eye getting injured is what happens in the Telltale Games if you make a certain choice, which leads to Alfred getting an eye patch. Obviously, Circus seems to have both eyes intact throughout the movie, so he's okay. Right. Uh, during the news report, we learned that Thomas Wayne was running for mayor before he and Martha were killed. This is similar to the unmade Tom Makewitz script where Thomas Wayne was running for city council. This also inspired Earth One, where Thomas Wayne was running for mayor, and this carried over into the Joker film of Brett Cullens, Thomas Wayne. So now I guess Thomas Wayne has been even more solidified as being some sort of political figure, and not just a philanthropist, doctor, guy who starts up Wayne Enterprises and stuff. They, they give him all sorts of different jobs at once.
1: Right, right, right. Thomas
0: Wayne. Uh, it's also mentioned that the Wayne's killer was never caught, and that neither Alfred nor Bruce have been able to solve who did it, with Moroni and Falcone, both suspected as well as Alfred accounting the possibility that it was just a random thug. And so this carries over these sort of post-zero-hour comics that Joe Chill was not the killer and Batman was never able to find him. And I think that's the first time they've really carried that over into live action, from what I remember. I mean, they weren't clear with Ben Affleck about whether or not he found the man who killed his parents. But, you know, there was Joe Chill in the Christian Bale version. There was the Joker for Michael Keaton. So here, they just flat out say, like, no, he's never found. It's an unsolved mystery. So right. that was interesting uh, at the table. Alfred brings up his old days in the service and uses his skills as a codebreaker to try to decipher the Riddler's code. So that comes from the idea of Alfred being a spy, which we've covered before in the Patreon from detective comics, 501 uh, written by Jerry Conway, where it's revealed that Alfred spent time in the secret service. So uh, Batman and Gordon later meet and find evidence of the late mayor leaving the iceberg lounge which, of course, first appeared in Detective Comics 683, created by Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan, who are thanked at the end, in the end credits. Uh, Inks by Scott Hanna here. Obviously, with the Iceberg Lounge comes your favorite, the Penguin. Take it easy, sweetheart. (laughs) As uh, this version works for Carmine Falcone, and it's been established the last few years uh, that there's been a connection between the two of them or Penguins worked for Falcone in the past. So zero year implied this, having him work for Falcone's cousin. History is implied in Batman Eternal. Uh, They also were first shown in live action directly working together in the show Gotham with Oswald also sort of secretly trying to undermine him or waiting to grab power. And uh, this ends up getting carried over as well into the war of jokes and riddles in Rebirth. Uh, We then get to the Iceberg Lounge fight. By the way, just chime in on any opinions you had of certain scenes if you want to. I know I'm kind of speeding through
1: stuff. yeah i didn't um i mentioned falcone i didn't say this in the non-spoiler section mm. but Datura was great i was expecting him to be great he's always yeah. great mm-hmm. uh we're looking at best falcone ever probably yeah <laughs> you know it is uh yeah like it's he he's he's lifted from the page basically <laughs> that's what it felt like um so yeah uh yeah, that's uh that's one comment I wanted I wanted to make there. Um, yeah, I honestly yeah.
0: expected him to to just show up in like two scenes and then like that was it or something. So the fact that they had this whole subplot with Catwoman wanting her revenge and stuff and him being kind of who really, really wanted to get to, I was like, oh shit, okay, they're really doing a lot of justice to the Falcon character from the comics right, and right, stuff. Right. So I was really surprised by that, but really enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, the, the iceberg lounge has made it into live action film. So that was, pretty yeah, awesome. that
1: was, that was cool. Definitely like that.
0: Uh, yeah. Batman ends up in a big fight in the iceberg lounge. He has a grappling gun that comes out from his wrist into his hand. This is similar to the wrist grappling gun that we got in some comics, as well as the Schumacher films and the Batman 89 comic. However, the main influence is actually taxi driver. <laughs> In terms of the, the sleeve gun that comes out, he actually has a sleeve grappling Taxi
1: gun. Driver again.
0: Indeed, yeah. But I'm just like, that's actually a cool lift from Taxi Driver, despite all the weird connections between that movie and Batman. I'm just like, why is this movie so influential on this? But
1: that's anyway. Like, all, all this stuff. Yeah. Real quick, too. We, we went over Alfred real quick. And I wanted mm-hmm. to say this. there's yeah. Batman has an arc, and Bruce Wayne has an arc. Bru- Bruce Wayne's arc is tied in with his more acceptance and learning to love more of his only family Alfred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then bruce waynes is is learning that maybe he shouldn't be vengeance yeah you know uh and i i thought that's that was great i can i came home kind of still processing it. and this morning too i was like damn they really did like knock it out with the with the character mm-hmm. arcs there yeah and fucking um the vengeance one especially is like bookends yeah and i i always appreciate that maybe that's cheesy in some ways for some people they don't like it but i think uh, yeah having it i dug it you yeah. set yeah set it up in the beginning pay off at the very very end bookend it bookended character arc thought it was great
0: yeah yeah it was awesome yeah uh also in addition to the wrist grappling gun he kind of uses it on the thugs like the bat claw from the arkham games so that was pretty fucking cool on that that's cool uh, oh yeah then, i always yeah. thought they should
1: do that in the movies yeah, yeah.
0: so we saw yeah. it now um, yeah. I don't. Just a quick side tangent. I don't really remember him using the side harpoon things. Mm. Do you remember? Oh,
1: oh yeah. He, I he? don't think you did. I was looking out for that. Yeah, he,
0: me too. Because I remember. <laughs> maybe you making that a scene comment. was cut. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. It's usually just the grappling gun, but the, this isn't a grappling gun. The, the, they're darts or whatever or harpoon things on his. Uh, yeah, they're forearm, like they're so.
1: like a, a type of ninja star in a sense. Yeah. 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 So I don't
0: really remember him using it, but let us know if we're wrong in the comments. Uh, yeah. Batman meets Penguin for the first time and he introduces, introduces himself as Oz. This is similar to the Batman cartoon where he went by Ozzy and the Telltale game where he went by Oz. And of course, as noted, this version of Oswald looks like the Alex Ross version of Penguin in War on Crime. In both scenes, Batman arrives at the lounge to get information from Penguin. Classic trope in Batman comics of Penguin kind of being the stool pigeon type of thing. And
1: let's, of course, uh, let's also not talk let's let's also we have to talk about like this movie, like the Dark Knight had a mm-hmm. scene where he, Batman is running up on dudes fighting him in a club club, yeah, with you know the music and everything to me that was another like minor uh thing that I had with the movie. I know he's like a year or two Batman, but like he all he's always going through the front door, and like I could have i would have liked liked it if he used a little bit more stealth here and there you know, find another way in or, or whatever. But he did. He, I guess he does like when he wears the fucking the man, the end, drifter. Yeah. yeah. So the drifter thing is a kind of stealth thing. So he has I, a stealth I do arc, give it up to Andrew.
0: that. He's got a stealth arc.
1: That's <laughs> wait. What's the arc with the stealth thing?
0: Well, he becomes stealthy at the end. The, I, I I mean, no, 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 I'm don't i joking. Around, okay. Partially. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It is reminiscent of remember during the Aronofsky year one I was just like this Batman doesn't uh do any ninja skills he just barges in and beats the shit out of you and that's kind of what we had we got out of this May-
1: and maybe he'll grow into it and I don't I don't think they even need to explain it it's just in the second movie he's already more stealthy mm-hmm. just you know just a little a little bit more like in the shadows kind of shit but uh still I mean it's kind of it's kind of minor because there was a smoke bomb kind of yeah at the end at the as end. well, so yeah. at least we got a little bit of those those kind of things with this movie. So
0: I think the most stealthy was was the when he came to prevent Selena from killing Falcone. When he slips in as the Drifter, then kills the lights, yeah. and then he's fighting people in the dark and stuff. I'm just like, this is this is prime sh- in the shadows, Batman.
1: Dude, I could have had like ten more minutes of that, bro.
0: I know, I, yeah. I I, I really <laughs> thought
1: they 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 cut that too short or something. And they were like, oh we're already at four hours. <laughs>
0: I feel like most of the yeah. I feel like most of the action scenes I could have used even more.
1: A, even though I still like them, yeah, yeah. It was I done. Still yeah, them, they were but, done well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the action scenes too shot very well, just like everything else was. But mm-hmm. uh, like their their long takes, like they don't cut after like in the mm-hmm. middle of punches and shit, like they do in some other movies. Yeah, I, I appreciated that. Like I could follow the action, which was yeah, yeah, definitely. which was great. Yeah.
0: Let's see, back to Penguin. Penguin wears a purple blazer that was deliberately done to be reminiscent of the comics, uh, as well as a connection to the Burgess Meredith version of Penguin, who wore purple. Colin Mm -hmm. Farrell is also on record saying that he wanted the Penguin to smoke, at least have a cigar, if not the classic cigarette holder, but apparently the studio did not want that to happen because everything else that these characters did was okay but penguin smoking just draws the line. So
1: dude, this is uh, just the weird shit with America, right? <laughs> like, you know, you can't you can't show a, a nipple, but you can show somebody's head getting blown off. Yeah. You know, like we just have weird weird laws with this kind of stuff. Police commissioner gets his face eaten off by rats and they're just like, "Uh, eh, don't have penguin smoke." <laughs> we, can't, we can't have a smoke, okay? <laughs>
0: yeah it's so it's it like it's strange yeah. man burgess meredith is the last penguin who smoked because danny devito spat out he spat out his cigarette holder and uh robin lord taylor's penguin only got to smoke in like a dream sequence in gotham so oh weird maybe it's, they'll let him it do it in the hbo max hbo max one
1: weirdly strict smoking laws yeah. or whatever for for film not laws yeah. but you know it's a Standards and practices or something. It's it's a self-regulating thing, I think, mostly with yeah, the MPAA, the, you know. So anyway, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, when Batman's there, he meets Selina Kyle for the first time, who's posing as a waitress there. This stays true to Catwoman's roots of being often in disguise. She first appeared disguised as this old lady on the left, the old lady, Miss Peggs, as we talked about in the page yeah. from uh, Batman number 1 by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Uh, Selena also works at a bar at the Iceberg Lounge. This is similar to Selena in the Gotham TV show where she worked at the Sirens Club, which became the Iceberg Lounge in the show. Uh, it's also implied that Selena Kyle is uh, as well as Annika, uh, they're b- that they're both lovers with Selena calling her baby and Zoe Kravitz actually being on the record saying that she interpreted her Catwoman to be bisexual. So okay. this is not a random change that the movie decided to make in order to, you know, get with the times. This has been in the comics since 2015 at least. Uh this is a panel from Catwoman number 39. So uh again, staying true to the comics. Selena transforms into Catwoman and ends up going to the mayor's house to break into the safe where she meets Batman for the first time, similar to the Telltale version where they met after Catwoman also robbed from the mayor's safe. Right. Uh, one Twitter user named Batman Curated noted this similarity of Batman on top of Catwoman during the fight with uh, Tim Sale's art here from Dark Victory. But I mean, of course, you're going to have stuff like this for the Batman Catwoman dynamic. It's kind of unavoidable.
1: It's inevitable, yeah. Uh, you it's know. inevitable, yeah. yeah. I don't
0: know if it's direct yeah. lift, but it's it's it's, it's going to happen. Uh, after this, yeah. Batman takes Catwoman back to her apartment, and they find out the police commissioner has been killed with his face eaten off. Uh, this is slightly <laughs> similar to, <laughs> yeah.
1: PC thirteen so guys,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I felt like this was kind of a nod to the puzzle death traps that uh, Riddler put together. Yeah, he did this to Mister Eagle in Detective Comics number one forty, and that was adapted into Batman sixty six again with Batman sixty six here uh, in a puzzling controversy episode with John Astin as the Riddler. So,
1: dude, uh, I was th- we had just covered this, so I was I had this in my mind. Yeah, uh, when, I, when I was watching it.
0: Yeah, that's also kind of just like I'm glad we did this lead up because I can I'm like I have everything fresh in my mind enough to just know because as you I think you joked in an old episode that like we would watch the Batman and like my mind would just explode with the amount of Easter eggs <laughs> and stuff yeah. and it, it kind of yeah. did in a way where I'm just like I got to keep track of all this stuff right now
1: <laughs> I gotta watch this actual movie <laughs> just take it in as is at, at yeah. least on the first viewing yes
0: yeah. uh, I'll be more relaxed in the second viewing I think now that I don't you know we're recording this now uh yeah. under the black light on the death track trap uh batman and gordon discover the riddler's question mark similar to how the riddler's question mark shows up similarly with the same light in the earth one comics uh,
1: yeah
0: batman then has selena go undercover in the iceberg lounge 44 below club wearing the context and i just love the scene where it looks like he was about to kiss her he's like look at me and she looks oh, at oh dude and he's like looks good <laughs> I'm like yes the-
1: the palpable uh, sexual tension is yes. so good between those yeah. two. Yeah, they really they just nail nail every every bit of that.
0: Yeah, because I'm just like, eh, yeah. he's not gonna kiss her now. This is this feels weird for where he's at. And then he's like, looks yeah. good. I'm just like, perfect. yeah, yeah. That was so perfect. Yeah. I even said it out loud next to you. I was like, this. is Yes, so
1: good. yes. I, uh, I I love that as well. That was a great moment. Yeah. That's another thing, real quick. It's fucking like. The movie's, like, really dark. It's about as dark as a PG-13 movie can get, but it does have humor, and mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, uh, mainly with Gordon and his interactions with Gordon, but, uh, yeah. yeah, it th- it would have been just too overly dark and too self-serious if you have, like, no humor in the movie, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, w- I really appreciated that, and, and I, the humor to me... Fits. The humor fits, it works the whole time. I thought yeah. it was really funny. The whole, like, yeah, the no-gun thing is more your thing? <laughs> yeah. Chief? Keeps calling him Chief, yeah. which I thought was great. I want I I bet you anything I think it was that was Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright. I think Wright it actually addressing the Chief ad-libbed. in the moment, though. Yeah. I think, doesn't he keep, he keeps calling Batman Chief.
0: I think he calls him Man. I don't know. Let us know in the comments. <laughs> I can't, we're just I going off of what we saw. One. Unless
1: I'm fucking totally remembering this wrong, but... It was, yeah, I, I remember. Yeah,
0: anyway. I, yeah, I remember at one point, I'm like, did you just call Batman Chief? And then I realized, like, oh, the police chief's right there. That's why. That's the only time I remember picking up on that. But I might be wrong. Let us know.
1: In the yeah, comments. forgot. Yeah. Uh,
0: let's see. So when Selena goes undercover, she ends up running into Carmine Falcone, played by John Turturro. Already look covered this. It, but look, look at, this. at this. He's got the My mustache. God. The first <laughs> Carmine Falcone in live action to have the mustache. Also, <laughs> he's got the three scars on yeah. his cheek. So. Perfect. And as we've talked about before, Jeff Loeb fan cast John Turturro as Alberto Falcone in Wizard Magazine for a potential Dark Victory movie back when he wrote the comic. Uh, But of course, after years have passed, it's way better to have him as Carmine. And I also like that they went with calling him Falcone, which is what I read in the comics in my head whenever I read that. Uh, It always felt a little weird to me when Batman Begins went with Falcone. I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't sound as menacing to me as Falcone.
1: You know, I see what you're saying, but there's <laughs> there's maybe some gray area that with Italian, the, the Italian Americans. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, you know, that's a whole other thing, you know, yeah. like uh, yeah, Italian Amer- American pronunciation and actual yeah. Italian pronunciation. And, and it's a whole other thing. I'm not going to get into it. Well, so anyway. let us know
0: if you're Italian and what it's pronounced in the comments yeah. below. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Batman later tells Gordon about how D.A. Coulson is involved, and Gordon says that Gotham is a powder keg, and Batman says, and Riddler's the match. This is a hell of a find. A Reddit user named JayZoo found this panel from Batman number 342, where Batman says, Gotham City, like all cities, is a powder keg commissioner, and all we need is one lunatic with a match. So,
1: Yeah, good find.
0: Writer was Jerry Conway. Art here is from Irv Novick, who's also thanked in the end credits. Uh, Frank McLaughlin and Shelley Lefferman on letters and colors by Adrian Roy. So great find to that user. Really um, good. Bruce Wayne goes out in public for the first and pretty much only time in the film to investigate the funeral only because he's just like serial killers show up at funerals. A lot of times so I'm just like, oh, this is
1: perfect. Of course, of course, serial right, killers so. <laughs> want to see their work or something. Yeah. There was yeah. some sort of like MO with, with any, and it's not wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as far as yeah. I know anyway. Yeah. So yeah. And he just, it's just almost begrudging. Like he, he, it's like, he's itching to get back in the suit again. Yeah. Of course he doesn't say that, but it's just, Yeah, he just doesn't want to do it, man. I thought that was so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Which,
0: I mean, fits this early version of Batman. And I'm kind of, I feel like what's to come is the embracing of Bruce Wayne. Embracing that Uh, other side at some point. Yeah. Yeah. humanity. Yeah, like he's close to it. He's closer to it at the end of this when he's like, I got to be a symbol of hope for Gotham. But he's still not like, I'll do that as Bruce Wayne too. And I think that maybe that's the arc for the second movie. Maybe the second movie is going to be that. That's just my speculation. Um,
1: Yeah, it's probably not. They probably got like bullet points of this script. There's there's no script, guys. At least at this point. The movie just came out.
0: And if they did have it, we certainly wouldn't have access to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless we were writing it.
1: So, yeah. uh, Basically, (laughs) I know the
0: long-haired look from Bruce Wayne is meant to evoke Kurt Cobain. However, fans have brought up that... It's also reminiscent of how Bat- Bruce Wayne was drawn in some of the 80s comics here done by Gene Cullen and Klaus Janssen for Batman number 344. So that's kind of a find from the fans like a as well.
1: Late late 70s, early 80s, like I don't feel like it was too uncommon. You yeah. Know, if, yeah it's, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's being more Kurt cobain here, but yeah, he's also like a complete fucking recluse in this. He's, it's,
0: it's severe Cobain vibes when he's just around his place, as well as when he visits Falcone and he's just he's, sort of like sauntering in with like the long hair.
1: He's so detached and they don't give one flying fuck about the playboy aspect in this movie. Yeah, film. it's not here. Yeah. Not even, a not even as a facade. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's not interested movie, in it. Yeah. This movie cares, cares very little about Bruce Wayne, man. And it's such <laughs> an interesting, cool take to me
0: yeah like i think the public perception of him is he's a recluse and that's it that's that's all it is like fuck
1: that bruce wayne is here yeah it's not because he's famous it's because i haven't seen him in fucking forever (laughs) you know what i mean so it's just yeah i thought that was it's cool it's it's done very well
0: Yeah. yeah uh other stuff on the funeral bruce drives himself to the mayor's funeral alfred does not drive him that was interesting uh, a Twitter user named L W Y R U P showed that there's a similarity between what he drove and the 1970s Neil Adams Batmobile, with a 1960s Corvette Stingray being kind of the the car identified in question. So that's mm. pretty cool. As that is Easter cool.
1: Egg. That's that that is very Batmobile esque. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's like it's
0: the feel of Batmobile, but enough of a Bruce Wayne thing where it's it doesn't yeah. seem like it gives away the identity. Yeah. Also, I got to give props to Matt Reeves on misdirection. This exterior funeral scene was shot out in public, so naturally we got set photos to speculate on for the last, like, two to three years, and those photos showed that Falcone's date to the funeral was Zoe Kravitz, which is not what happens in the movie. It's someone (laughs) Bruce only thinks is Selena, but Zoe was clearly there on the set in the outfit. And I love that Reeves did this because we thought from seeing this around the internet, Selena would be in this scene and we think in the movie oh it's going to be her when she turns around and when she turns around it's not her it's a genuine surprise even if you've seen these fucking photos
1: it was yeah i was expecting this as well i was yeah. like damn i thought i was like i thought i've seen her in this fucking getup
0: it's they tricked us yeah. they yeah, tricked it,
1: us it's good man it's good it's a hell of
0: a chess match move as well because of the fact that her outfit is also similar to what Celine's actually worn in the comics she wears right. this in the funeral at dark victory so like there's a comic easter egg within in this misdirection, everyone thinks, "Oh, she's going to show up in it," and then she doesn't, and everybody gets surprised by it. Now, and I just, I love that.
1: Again, I'm the learner on this podcast. Everybody, if this is your first episode watching us, this is the is this the first time Selena's been the daughter of Falcone? It
0: has not actually. I'll go okay. into it. With, okay, I'll go okay. into
1: it. It's uh, not normal, <laughs> though, right? I'm I'm not crazy.
0: You're you're not crazy, it's just it hasn't been brought up in previous adaptations where they both existed.
1: Okay. So, right.
0: obviously, it was not part of the Nolan trilogy because Falcone was not part of the story anymore by the time we got The Dark Knight Rises. And then Gotham just never went there. Right, right, right. With okay. So, I was like, okay, we got Falcone, and we got Selena Kyle in this. Could this happen? And then there's also yeah. you know, being cited the Long Halloween and the Dark Victory comics. So, right. I'm like, eh, there's a possibility here. So, when it happened, I'm just like, it's... The the moment where she's like, I don't have a relationship with Falcone, and Batman's like, Yes, you do, and stuff. I'm just like, it's, they're doing it. She's the daughter. They're doing it. <laughs> oh,
1: you saw it coming.
0: Yeah, because of the the fact it's in uh, it's in Dark Victory, and they put it in the long Halloween animated movie.
1: That was a total shock to me. Like I yeah. didn't even think I wasn't even thinking that. Like they they got me on that one.
0: That's their equivalent of because you know Chinatown's an influence on this, so that's their take on oh. the whole. You know, uh, oh, I guess yeah. twist on. On, uh, father, like, who the father is of somebody.
1: Yeah, of let's... You know, that movie's, anyway. like, what, 40 fucking years old, but <laughs> it's a classic, so we won't spoil it, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh We'll cover that in our Patreon on Cinematic Influences, because I got a whole other thing on that. Uh, okay. But moving forward, at the funeral... If you've
1: bought the Chinatown Blu-ray, you're <laughs> welcome. Yes. I worked on the Blu-ray for that. Anyway, it's all I'll say.
0: Uh At the funeral... <laughs> this is when I knew, like, Turturro was... He lived up to expectations because like he only has like a little split second intro with Selena where he's kinda he's all creepy and stuff, but here the just the presence is felt. And you've got Pattinson and Farrell there already, but like he's the one who owns the scene where he's just like, Yeah, like your father saved my life. I showed up at the doorstep with bullets in my chest, and even you were up there, you were just a little kid looking up from the stairs. And I'm just like, that's right out that's completely out of long Halloween. Even with Bruce looking yeah. from the stairs. So that
1: is like <sighs> Penguin is like on the surface like sleazy. Well, they both are very sleazy, but yeah. there's something about Falcone in this one. I'm well, probably in all the versions, I don't know, but he's so uh like there's an there's an another layer of sleaziness on like yeah. that's not to the surface, you know? And it gets revealed later and he's just a smooth cool guy criminal at first, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, there's something way worse here. And like whenever he's talking to Bruce, it's like giving this confession. And it's like the confession is we're in the spoiler talk territory, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like the the confession is total, maybe not bullshit, but there's a lot of spin. Yeah. He's putting a lot of spin on it.
0: How to pull the strings. Yeah.
1: And he's so smooth with it. And that's just that's another layer. That's just another layer right there, you know?
0: It was one of those where I'm just like, yeah, I, I buy that this guy has been running Gotham for 20 years. Fuck I buy yeah. that this, this guy's been yeah. the king of all of it. I buy that this is like the actual face of true evil because, you know, the other kid, like Riddler is fucked up, but he's born from some sense of pain. There's a humanity to him. Falcone has none of that in this.
1: Riddler's only, like they say, he's only taken out. I mean, he's obviously evil, but he's taken out just corrupt people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and Falcone, obviously, he wouldn't give a fuck. If they're in if they're in his way, they're in his way. Yeah. Kind of yep, guy. So exactly. I love gangster shit in movies, though. It don't we so all? Good. Yeah. So yeah. Good. Uh,
0: at the funeral, we do meet the police chief we were previously talking about. Uh, his name is Mackenzie Bach. I don't know how I feel about this because Mackenzie Bach is a completely different character in the comics. He's one of Gordon's loyal detectives in the GCPD, not his superior it was just like, did they have to go off that name for this one? He's not even the same guy. Like, they might as well just make up their own name because, like, Pete Savage came from 66. They could have taken some random name from that, but whatever. Anyway, mm. uh, Batman gets caught in the Riddler's explosion trying to save D.A. Coulson and ends up failing. He wakes up at the GCPD. Gordon helps him to escape, and in the process, Batman punches Gordon, which is also right out of Batman Earth 1. Love so, that
1: scene. Yeah. Great
0: scene. Uh, in that comic, Batman and Gordon were at odds genuinely at odds whereas in here it was sort of to to cover for Gordon's ass so that he could escape without people you know without him getting in trouble. Uh Batman basically uses the grappling gun to get to the top of GCPD headquarters where he reveals the wingsuit glider which seems like a possible reference to Batman year 1 but actually as you look on the right here it's closest to the 1940s comics. Look at that shit. It's basically the same stuff.
1: That is true. Yeah. I you know I like I, I know they want to keep it grounded. But the, the imagery of him using the fucking cape as the actual... Uh, From Nolan, it, yeah. Yeah, like, I to me, that's still the... At least that... I like that a little more. But I love how it looked like this was, like, his first or second fucking time. Like, he's really fucking <laughs> scared shitless to jump off of this fucking roof. Yeah. Like, he's, he's prepared for it. He's got the fucking thing ready. But that, that was some great direction. Again, it was and yeah great and great acting. Like I thought, I did think that was great. Um, so I mean, maybe we'll get like the wings in the next one or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that, he this was it was cool. Yeah, because clearly
0: it it wasn't completely one hundred percent great because of the fact that he just flat out crashes to the ground, which I also thought was reminiscent of Earth One. I was not expecting yeah. that at all. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Earth One with the grappling gun failing him in the comic, but here it was the the wingsuit. So yeah, it's it was actually Jerry Robinson who first illustrated this sort of flying squirrel wingsuit type of thing, uh, which is like it's kind of weird. I think the cleanest imagery is just the giant bat type of thing with the cape turning into it, just like in Batman Returns and the Dark Knight trilogy. So. Uh, but let's go into I, something. I wouldn't need it explained either like in this yeah, film
1: like, like he Nolan like takes care to explain everything and that's fine for those movies mm-hmm. but if Pattinson just fucking like woof, we get the fucking imagery of him flying through the city like that without you know with just the wings uh, it, with just the cape I would have I would have just I would have just taken it at face value like yeah, it was like exactly. alright cool <laughs> you know
0: yeah that's fine let's talk about something though where we did like the design the batmobile so dude, batman and yeah. gordon later go after the penguin we get the debut of the batmobile i was grateful for the theater we were in because we could feel we could feel the engine of that thing dude the theater. imax
1: we were in was like dude i haven't felt such great sound design since nolan's dunkirk in the theater where mm-hmm. every gunshot was great and this and this fucking car rumbling was like yeah <laughs> it was good man yeah, yeah it was great you could feel the monstrosity And
0: that build-up one penguin's just staring at it, and he's like, oh, fuck, as he's looking at this thing that's heading towards him. So,
1: Did you uh, end up watching Christine? I did, yep. You did see it. I did see
0: it. I did see it, and I was just like, okay, I'm wondering how much of an influence, because it's also another muscle car. So I'm just like, okay, is it just the muscle car thing? And then I get to a scene where the car is driving and it's on fire. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I know where you, I see you now, Matt Reeves. (laughs) Yeah. So uh the batmobile kind of you know as as we've talked about before some negative reactions have been like oh like it's just a car i'm just like well yeah because the first batmobile of all time did look like a regular car a quote-unquote Bro. specially built high-powered auto detective comics number three
1: batmobile taste is so polarizing but yeah i like that it's just a car mm-hmm. and I it's like that it's, just a, it's not a fucking big ass tank, dude. It just, yeah. yeah, we've already, we've covered it a million times, but yeah, it, I really appreciated this. This is a great Batmobile. It's a great take. Yeah. And yeah. It,
0: it doesn't have to be a tank when that thing comes after you and that goes through the fire and still comes and basically makes penguins, you know, flip over. Yeah. Like you don't have to be a tank for that.
1: Fuck no, dude. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that was so good, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, Batmobile also evokes the muscle car type look from the 1970s and 1980s comics. Big thanks to Dan for putting this together in a past episode. Uh, Alex Ross himself pointed out this side-by-side comparison of Pattinson in the Batmobile gritting his teeth with his own illustration of of that. Uh, A lot of times, Ross has been sort of semi-promoting his own art and the movie at the same time with these comparisons. So, sometimes I'm just like, eh, it's... I get it. Like, it's Batman grinning his teeth. It's the same thing. But also, I think Alex Ross is one of the few to illustrate the eyes Mm. coming out of the cowl. Yeah, Which is what we'd see in the movie. So, that's cool. Uh, Batman captures Penguin, and we have a surprisingly hilarious interrogation scene we all cracked up. And again, it fits the movie's tone. It was not cheesy. It wasn't just like, really, we're doing this now type of thing. Like, it actually worked because of the characters. So, uh, there was the whole... You know, El Rata Alada versus La Rata Alada type of thing. Yeah. Hablo Español. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: that, that, that scene was great. <laughs> you two supposed to be the world's greatest detective. Yep. Which of course That whole time, to too, I was to thinking, that. like, that was the only riddle where I was like, they're not going to talk about, like, it being a bat. A bat. Yeah, exactly. When are we going to get to this? And why isn't, maybe Batman thinks it's too obvious. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, know. that
0: was one of those. I'm just like, it's obviously a bat. And then it's like, well, it could be Penguin. And I'm just like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense for both of them because Penguin is an informant in the comics and they played around with your perception of that. He already sort of gave information to Batman earlier in the Iceberg Lounge. He has this reputation in the comics for doing it. So I'm just like, okay, I could see Penguin being the informant. And then, you know, when Riddler just writes back interesting, you're just like, eh, it's not him. And then when you find out <laughs> the riddle still apply, it doesn't apply to Batman at all. It's right. Falcone. Because the right. little Falcon thing, I'm just like, that's fucking clever. You know, for to, to pull the wool over the eyes of actual Batman fans who have read the comics anyway and to still trick right. them in right. all that bluff, right, right. it takes a lot. So right. that was pretty fucking cool. Uh, so Batman communicates to Riddler, ends up going to the Wayne Orphanage, which, according to the prequel novel, used to be Wayne Manor. And so Wayne Manor ah. was donated to become the orphanage. And that's similar to how Bruce in the dark Knight rises donated his house to become the orphanage. So when what basically Bruce is going through the house that he grew up in during that creepy scene.
1: Damn. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more of a blatant reference to that because when I read, You're right. I, I, cause I found out about that when I was listening to the audio version of the prequel novel, just a sample of it before the movie. And I was just like, oh, shit, the orphanage is, is the Wayne Manor. And then when I was watching the movie, I'm just like, are you going to mention that was his home? And they don't really do that. So maybe they cut that. I don't know. But yeah. at the orphanage, Bruce gets clues, which leads to the fact that Bruce Wayne is the next target, which makes Batman rush home to Alfred. And before Alfred opens the bomb, we see a Shakespeare bust in the background.
1: Dude, yeah, we kind of called this, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, it yeah. is. It was subtly featured in the background of the behind the scenes promo from DC fandom, which is where I got this image on the left, which I don't think was in the movie. I don't remember uh, the Shakespeare maybe. bus being there when he's shirtless there, but obviously oh, I would
1: have remembered. So
0: yeah, I would remember too. <laughs> I just I remembered when they saw the bus, we saw the bus with Alfred. And I'm just like elbowing you like, there it is. There it
1: is. It was, it's cool. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think it should be in like all the versions now. I think it's so not, too. Yeah. It's not overly cheesy. It's, it's. He lives in a nice ass mansion, and it it's makes a fucking sense. picture of fucking uh, or it's a bust of uh of, of the bard himself. So. Yes, yes, yeah.
0: So obviously, this is a reference to Batman sixty six again. More Batman sixty six. There's more Batman sixty six in this than there's been in a long time. So, mm-hmm. uh, and also very subtly done, where it doesn't feel like it. It interferes with the tone of this. Not at Uh, all. This is also not the first time we've gotten a Shakespeare head tribute. Some people claim that there's a Shakespeare head behind Joseph Gordon-Levitt's John Blake in The Dark Knight Rises. But looking at it, that bust in the background doesn't look a thing like Shakespeare to me. He doesn't even have a beard. So I'm going to say that's bullshit. (laughs) That's not a tribute. However.
1: Yeah. I never never knew this. I never knew this was a thing.
0: Yeah. Some people are just like, oh, there's a Shakespeare head. I'm just like, that doesn't look like Shakespeare at all. It just looks like a random thing. Uh, But. The Shakespeare head did appear in on the left bottom left. I have it from the Elseworlds crossover for the CW when they introduced Batwoman, and it looks like it's a replica from the 1966 show, or maybe it's the the bank that they sell out that I uh, that I currently own. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a possibility. That's and awesome. Then Gotham had their own version of the Shakespeare head as well uh, on the right there. So this is probably, I believe, the third um, tribute version and fourth one in live action if we're counting Batman 66 the original so that was pretty cool as an Easter egg there. Uh, Alfred gets injured from the bomb and Bruce goes home trying to piece together the clues spray painting stuff on the ground and then he gets called up by Catwoman up at the roof so uh, again more comparisons from Batman curated on sort of the imagery here Batman grabbing Catwoman from there uh, you know Rebirth Comics as well as Batman Hush but this is where we find out like Carmine Falcone is selena kyle's father which comes from dark victory which is the sequel to the long halloween
1: Uh, we've probably i I apologize bro we probably covered this (laughs) and i totally forgot it's all good Uh, and then i was shocked in the theater wow (laughs) i'm maybe i'm glad i forgot
0: yeah be good you forgot so that you wouldn't be like it's coming because like for me i'm just like it's coming (laughs) <laughs> it's good they're, yeah, they're gonna make it happen
1: <laughs> your brain was just analyzing a fucking mile a minute
0: oh yeah all this stuff was stuff that i had to clock in i'm just like i better fucking remember this when i get old <laughs> uh so oh man uh, we learned in this version selena's mom worked in the club and was Falcone's lover until she was killed selena losing her mom was also established in the post-crisis comics specifically catwoman number zero in 1994 writers doug mensch pencils jim balent Inks Bob Smith, Colors by Setzer, and Letters by Bob Pinaha. Uh, In that comic, as well as in the comic Batman number 81, which is what I'm showing here, Selina finds her mother's dead body. The writer of the specific comic I'm showing, Catwoman number 81, uh, Bronwyn Taggart, as she was credited at the time, is listed under Special Thanks at the end of the movie as well. So I'm wondering how much of that comes from this specific comic uh also selena says to falcone later on i'm maria kyle's kid and maria kyle was the name that she was given in the 90s comics as well so that's all staying true to the canon uh more batman catwoman comparisons from batman curated on here but basically in this scene selena kisses catwoman also i mean selena kisses (laughs) batman not kisses catwoman that's a whole other movie uh, but she brings up how Riddler is airing the Waynes' dirty laundry. So Bruce rushes home to the big reveal that I know you and I were anticipating, which is Riddler's reveal of Thomas Wayne's corruption. So, uh, yeah, this
1: after going over the telltale stuff and yeah. the trailers kind of hinted at this all heavily. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Before we get into it, I got to say, I kind of wish they went all the way with it. I thought they were going to do the flat-out, like, the Waynes were the biggest gangsters in Gotham. Yeah, the
1: biggest race. gangsters in Gotham. Yeah, and Penguin the, should have said that shit, dude. Yeah, and then they backtracked
0: on it, where he's just like, no, no, he just made a mistake with Falcone. I'm just like,
1: eh. So I kind of wish he went all the way. What was the deal with the mother again?
0: So, I'll bring that up right now. The, okay. In this version, uh, they stayed true to the Earth-1 comics, where Martha was not from the Kane family in the, the traditional comics, but in Earth-1, she comes from the Arkham family. And the arkhams have a history of mental illness so yeah. in the earth one comics martha's mom killed her you know killed her husband and then committed suicide and so that made martha an orphan and the movie also brings up that she had her own mental health issues and was in and out of the asylum and so riddler exposes that thomas wayne got in trouble because there was a reporter named edward elliott who revealed like this this family history and i guess was threatening to reveal the scandal. And uh, Thomas tried to pay him off with hush money, this reporter.
1: I'm sorry, um, one more time. I'm, it's I'm compl- a little... It's, it's, so it, yeah, his, it's, his mother, it's or to, uh, Martha Wayne's yeah. mother, killed her husband.
0: Yeah, so basically Martha's Martha's parents are dead. Yeah. And okay. she has her own mental health issues. And I think this reporter was going to reveal all that.
1: Dude, I... have This is going to be a hell of a reveal for me. But in my family, (laughs) and I learned about this when I was in college, Mm -hmm. okay? But this felt, this part of the story, strangely enough, felt very close to home. Mm -hmm. But my great grandfather, I believe, maybe, yeah, great, killed my great grandmother. Jesus, man, I had no idea. I have murder in my family. (laughs) I did. not No laughing matter, but You're it's Bruce just, Wayne. it's just, it's just wild. And I, I think it's because he thought he was cheating on her or she was he thought that him. she was cheating on him. Yeah. Something like that. And that made my grandmother mentally ill. Okay. Cause I, she got dude she's passed Jesus. away now, so I can talk about this, but yeah, she, yeah, she, she had some mental illness. So I'm watching this movie and I'm like. This is fucking so wild, dude. Yeah. This is this is hitting Jesus. home for me real real hard. I can imagine. But yeah, there was there <laughs> there's some mental instability at least further back in my family and those were I mean, it's no excuse, but th- th- let's just say they were different times, but mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Yeah. My parents Jesus, and my man. grandparents were not like this. They were, they were not, there was no murder. It was a great, a great grandfather. Never mm-hmm. met him. Yeah. Not once, not ever. This is, I learned about this later in life, but yeah, it was just wild Jeez. for me hearing this in the movie.
0: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: hmm yeah.
0: All right. So, uh, basically a lot of this re- is around this one reporter who is going to reveal what happened. And Thomas tried to pay him off with quote unquote hush money. And Riddler puts the words hush on the screen. So this feels like a big reference to the villain, Hush, whose real name is Thomas Elliot, Dude, it's not like, Edward Elliot. So I'm just like, they're, they're clearly setting this? something
1: up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, this Hush villain would really fit with the tone they've established. Yeah. Very much so.
0: Like, it implied to me, I'm just like, I guess we're saying that this reporter has a son named Thomas Elliot, who's going to become Hush, so that the sins of the father will be visited on the son. Yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could see that. Uh, Thomas Wayne's corruption is potentially inspired by the comics actually there is a Christmas story The Batman's Last Christmas in Brave and the Bold number 184 written by Mike Barr art by Jim Aparo where Batman discovers evidence that Thomas Wayne was bankrolling a mobster named Spurs Sanders this may have been influential on the telltale version of Batman in which Thomas Wayne was just a clear out mobster even more so than Spurs Sanders even more so than what happened in the movie um, I need
1: uh, I need um, them to bring back Spurs <laughs> for uh, Rebirth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Christmas special comic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please do. Uh, the Thomas Wayne actor also did a selfie saying like, hey, I'm doing this comic research, and he's reading a comic, and that specific comic is Batman <laughs> Sins of the Father, which is from the oh, Telltale man. series, Batman Sins of the Father. We actually covered this back in 2020 when going over the Telltale series. That's and we had cool. Yeah, Smallville actor Bradley Stryker came to our show and read off lines as Deadshot for that finale. So from the Mm -hmm. finale of that comic. So Mm -hmm. that's cool. Mm -hmm. But again, sins of the father. So that comes about. And then in the the Telltale Games, Bruce angrily confronts Alfred being like, what have you been hiding from me? Similar to how Bruce tells Alfred that you've been lying to me all these years and how he's been staking his whole life, you know, his whole crusade on a lie. I remember in the theater when Alfred wakes up and he's happy to see Bruce and Bruce is just immediately like, you lied to me, Alfred. Like the woman next to me or near me was just like, damn, <laughs> you know,
1: it's We're all just, just like shows, Jesus, man. It's a character moment. It shows yeah. that Bruce is still very selfish. Yeah. He's, he's just he's up his own also ass. Also cut in that way. off.
0: Yeah. Cut off from the warm emotions. He's only jumping on the fact that the man who looked out for him I and mean, lied to him. so it's just like, how can I even trust you now, type of thing.
1: Right, right, right.
0: So uh, in the hospital bed, Alfred brings up that it was his job to protect the Waynes and he failed. This implies that Alfred was the Waynes' bodyguard, like in the Earth-1 comics, as well as in the Batman vs. Superman tie-in material on Jeremy Irons' Alfred. Alfred also directly says that he trained Bruce, like in Earth-1, as well as Sean Pertwee's Alfred, in Gotham. The prequel novel actually identifies that Alfred taught Bruce a combination of karate, judo, and taekwondo. So that's cool. Uh, Alfred MMA. training. Yeah, basically. Alfred training Bruce is also mentioned in the stage show Batman Live, as well as the animated series Beware the Batman. Bruce then sees the bat signal, and he and Gordon meet Selena, who finds out that Falco not only killed her friend Annika, but due to the MO of it being strangulation, he also killed her mother. So she escapes. Batman sets off to stop her from killing Falcone. And along the way, Batman runs down the side of a building, which is apparently called Aussie Repelling. Shout out to the Bat Mentor on Instagram, whose handle's on here, for pointing that, that out. I
1: love that shit, man. Yeah, oh, that was great.
0: Some people have brought up, too, that this may be a remini- reminiscent of, once again, batman 66 <laughs> you know Climb. what
1: that's true it's a reverse but you know what <laughs> yeah. I, I i i will accept this this I will that too. does make yeah. sense yeah
0: again it's like he's not drawing from much of burton schumacher nolan snyder he's drawing from batman 66 i fucking love this and remember yeah, early, right? early on in the batman's development matt reeves did visit the same batman 66 museum that we visited that's and just right. took pictures there that's
1: right it's it's he it's how he weaves a tail. You see, yep. Ben, it's the it's the yin and the yang. You got the the white bright night side. Yeah. Uh, mixed in with the super dark thing that he made. So
0: honoring the past. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, during the fight with Falcone and his men, Selena's wig comes off, making her resemble the year one Selena with her short hair and the leather leather bodice look that she has. She also uses high kicks, just like in year one, as shown here in this comparison by Twitter user Rotten Gotham. Uh, Kravitz also uses her own nails, like claws, like you've also, uh, I think, sort of mentioned in one of the Patreons. So, yeah, uh, yeah. true to the appearance, the first time that Catwoman used claws were her own nails in Batman number three, in the Batman versus the Catwoman comic. And this also carried over in the unmade Sam Ham Batman 2 script, in his version of Catwoman.
1: This uh, just makes sense to me. I mean, yeah. she feels very close to being a cat. So, like, yeah. why not? It works. You know? Yeah. yeah.
0: It, was, it was Zoe Kravitz's idea, too, to, like, what if these are the weapons, too? Like, the, my natural nails.
1: Yeah, and so of she pitched Piper that. kind of thing.
0: Yeah, with the claws. Yeah. So, yeah. during the fight, she scratches Falcone's face, true to what happens in the comics, both in year one and in uh, the New 52 comics, as I have here. So, Batman stops Selina from killing Falcone, and Batman takes him to Gordon, with Falcone nicknaming Batman Zorro. Obvious reference there to the movie (laughs) Before they were killed. Definitely Uh,
1: only Zorro. Just just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When they step outside, though, Falcone is shot to death by the Riddler. And this continues a tradition that if you're Carmine Falcone, you're gonna get shot. So, he was shot by Two-Face in The Long Halloween... He was shot by Hitman in the Gotham TV show. He was shot by a drugged named Montoya in the Telltale series. That's just That's the that only happens. death for you. Yeah. yeah. So Batman once again sees an unmasked Riddler in the shadows running off and goes after him, like in the Earth One comic. But he basically goes off to a local diner where the cops catch up to him. And he reveals that he has two IDs. One says Edward Nashton. As we've covered before, the Riddler's real name being Edward Nashton isn't actually a change from the comics. It's from the 1989 Secret Origins comic, as written by Neil Gaiman. Pencils by Bernie Morant, inks by Matt Wagner, and colors by Joe Matt. The other alias on that ID was Patrick Parker, which is currently listed as an alias for Riddler in Wikipedia. Now, I can't currently find a source in terms of what comic that's from or what movie that's from, so let us know in the comics if you know There's also a possibility someone saw the movie already and just added it to Wikipedia. So who knows? Right. But let us know because I'm very curious. I tried to look for it and I I couldn't find it. So uh, Batman and the cops explore Riddler's hideout where he has a whole wall showing his obsession with the Batman, similar to Earth One. And then Batman visits Edward in Arkham, which is called Arkham State Hospital. Same name that they gave it in the 2019 Joker film, which is true to the first appearance of Arkham as Arkham Hospital. In Batman number two fifty eight, written by Dennis O'Neill and art by Irv Novik, also stuff that Zach covered in his episode on the history of Arkham. The interrogation scene kind of tricks you into thinking that Riddler knows Batman is Bruce
1: Wayne. And Great acting this, here, also again oh, Don, from Dano killed from it. Yeah, Dano as well, but also both of them. Yeah, yeah, Pattinson, he's just really good at that, man. That's it's like as like as if you could like list his um. You know, good points and bad points as an actor. Just like really intense, kind of, I don't know, just the way you looked in that scene—that it was great. You could really see, like, yeah, feel the wheels turning, watching, yeah. uh, just watching him react to, to, like, oh fuck, is he about to say it? You know. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought about this too, and I was like, why? Why is Riddler not obsessed with who the Batman is? But the Batman, I guess, to him, doesn't come off as corrupt. He's just a tool. Yeah. He's a tool to bring about the change he wants, but he's not like a corrupt politician. He's really after the corrupt politicians and the police. And that's really it. So Batman's kind of, maybe some would see him as a police guy, but I think he, R- he Riddler doesn't as, see him like this. Yeah. You're like an this. ally yeah. to me, you know, see, yeah, we're working
0: yeah. together. And Batman's just like, you're insane. Like, it's just, we weren't working together, that type of stuff. So, yeah. Um, the interrogation scene does try to trick you into thinking that he knows, which I think is a reference a very blatant reference to the Hush storyline where Riddler revealed this to Batman, calling him Bruce to his face while Batman was in the visiting room in Arkham, just like in the movie. Uh, Edward brings up that he, as a young boy, saw Bruce Wayne. Uh, he was kind of the choir boy singing Ave Maria as before Thomas Wayne went up and gave his speech. So Edward seeing Bruce from a young age and feeling that connection is similar to Peter David's Batman Forever novelization where Edward saw Bruce's photo in a newspaper article about the deaths of the Waynes and felt a sort of a sense of kinship. Whereas here, it's the opposite. Paul Dano's Edward feels contempt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Edward also talks about liking puzzles when he was young, uh, just as we're seeing the not-so-young-looking Edward enigma in the original Detective Comics number 140. <laughs> older than Chris O'Donnell in this <laughs> one. Written by Bill Finger, drawn by Dick Sprang, inks by Charles Harris. <laughs> So uh, I think in this shit, one, man. Edward Nashian turned to puzzles because of the fact that they were his only like outlet. You know, he was an outcast, yeah. just like in the other versions.
1: He does say in this movie is like they were uh, an uh, riddles were an escape from his reality, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really great little character moment there. A character, uh, you know, it informs it, it informs you of his uh, motivations and yeah uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
0: So Riddler then. It, it, basically delivers the creepiest rendition of Ave Maria. And I was just blown away by Paul Dano in this scene because this is the big highlight scene for him because all the other ones, he's he's all masked and stuff. So this is the first time you really get to see him
1: uh, yeah. besides the,
0: the rest scene, emote.
1: It's stellar. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's he's even creepy. Like that first time you hear him kill the dudes like, Ugh! Yeah. like the, just like the way acting's Visceral. about choices, right? And like just his choices were were great i mean maybe some people would say it was a bit much or whatever but i i really liked it i, I thought it was it. Yeah. i thought it was really good um, he only
0: he also kind of sings a little bit before he goes into avi
1: maria where he's just like oh, i was not expecting yes this. yes was yes, like, yes oh my god
0: like you're just riveted by watching the screen um i
1: i think the only again another like minor nitpick is like i've, I've i i kind of wish that we would have seen more of riddler Outside of his, you know, videos online. Yeah, me too. Uh, there's just a bit, there's like one or two too many of those parts. Like the Joker had that too, but it's just like one time. I, I know Riddler's like, he's more of like an orchestrating mastermind kind of dude. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. they would have done if they met in person or or whatever. But like maybe one more like duct tape scene, one more like horror scene, like yeah. a more of a hands-on Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I guess he did show up in the back of that car or whatever. And that was, yeah. that was cool. But yeah, just like one, two, one or two, too many. Uh, yeah. Videos from him in the movie. It, it kind of made it a little bit like, it's just a little bit disconnected feeling, I guess. But again, maybe I need to see it again to appreciate that more. I'm not sure just yet.
0: I do feel like he, if there was maybe like one or two more scenes with him without the mask,
1: you know, yeah, like we just yeah. needed
0: stuff like that. I I need more like maskless Dano in this. And maybe we'll yeah. get in the sequels. But, you know, there's just it's it's a it's a case where there's not too much of anybody. There's just not enough. <laughs> Even though it's three hours, it's just like I want more of all this stuff, which there's is, is a testament.
1: To only how good it was. just enough Batman and mm-hmm. then yeah, they really like just really are conservative with how much they show anyone else. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it just shows up just enough. I remember like in Ebert's review of the dark Knight, he mentions that the Joker also shows up like just the right amount of time. Yeah. And I, I thought that was an interesting um, take, but yeah, it's kind of like that with everybody in this one yeah. or, or not enough. Like we've said. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, also, Michael Giacchino's Riddler theme, as you might've noticed, is like a twisted dark version of Ave Maria uh Which I oh, yeah, didn't okay. quite—I didn't realize it as strongly until like the opening has Ave Maria in the background, and then the next time the score kicks in is when he after he kills the mayor, and they play the Riddler theme, and I'm just like, oh my god, because right. I had heard it before, and I heard some people saying like, oh, it's like Ave Maria. I'm just like, eh, I don't know, but then to hear it back to back like that in the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what they're doing.
1: So yeah, that is cool. That's cool. Great. That's cool. Uh, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Batman figures out Riddler's got something else up his sleeve. He returns to Riddler's home, and to break through the police barrier and through the caution tape, he uses the bat insignia on his chest as a separate weapon to cut through it. So, let's talk about this chest symbol. As discussed before, the earless bat chest insignia is a callback to the Bill Finger Bob Kane Batman chest insignia from Detective Comics number 27. Also, we found that those fan theories were wrong. The bat insignia is not the gun that killed his parents— This is what you get when you try to do fan theories before you find out the facts, guys.
1: (laughs) I forgot about that one already. Yeah. Yeah.
0: People were just like, it looks like a gun. Oh, it must be the gun that, you know, it must be the gun that killed his parents, just like in that one Kevin Smith story in Detective Comics number 1000 where it happened. That must be what they're doing. And now people are just talking as if it's fact. I'm just like, you don't know that. You don't know that. Right. And then guess what? Wasn't that at all. And honestly, even if they did go through that, I'm just like, that has nothing to do with the rest of the story. Right. Like, how, like, why would we need to have that here unless there was some aspect of like, Oh, he caught Joe chill in another version of, you know, the backstory or whatever, but
1: it's just, people love that edgelord shit. I mean, I, I like, know. I like it too, to a degree, but yeah, there, it mm-hmm. gets overboard sometimes. Yeah.
0: I'm just like, dude, wait till the movie. And then lo and behold, it's not in the movie. So that's what you get. But, uh, but he does
1: use the shit though. People were right about yeah. that. Yeah, Yes.
0: It is some form of a batarang, which I believe is in Batman, the brave and the bold animated series. Executive producer James Tucker even mentioned that when he first reacted to the, uh, the bat suit. I remember seeing a tweet from him on it. I couldn't get an image on what specific episode, though, on when it's used as a Batarang, the chest insignia. And I wasn't going to ask Dan to look into it because he has not seen the movie yet. So uh, according to the production notes, the chest insignia is a basically a magnetized folding Glaucut knife. Okay. So Batman carrying a knife might seem weird, but he does actually carry one. It's specified in the Darren Aronofsky Unmade Year One script that Batman carries a knife on him, and it's also in the comics, as early as Detective Comics number 37.
1: Dude, so, a knife is not a gun, man. It's yeah, very much can be used as a tool. Yeah. Which like is what it in does. all kinds of fucking survival mm-hmm. situations. I don't know why people would ever take an issue with Batman carrying yeah. a knife. I don't think know? they do. I'm just bringing it up. Okay, that, like, it okay, okay, okay. It okay, might okay, just okay.
0: seem like a weird thing. I'm like, why does he have to carry that? But like, it's actually, it's in the comics. It's Detective oh, comics man. number 37. He uses it to get out of a bag when he's get stumped in water. So, okay. All from the comics. Again, that's from the cane finger run. So, uh, basically he finds out Rither's going to cause a flood in Gotham city, which is right out of year, you know, zero year. And Batman's too late to stop it. Dude, in both instances.
1: At this fucking point of the movie. Yeah. I thought, are we about to get fucking No Man's Land in this motherfucker? I know, right? I thought it was going to like cut and be like, because it was like three hours in. To be continued. Was, <laughs> to <laughs> be continued. Next yeah. one. No Man's Land, motherfucker. You're welcome. You know, that's what I thought mm-hmm. we were going to be getting. Um, but, but it didn't go that way. But that was, you know, that was what I was thinking.
0: Yeah, I was wondering that too. I, I wondered if there was going to be a cliffhanger on that. But thankfully, I say thankfully there wasn't simply because like, I do like it being its own thing with yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah definitely yeah
0: so i guess let's talk about this third act because i don't really have comic stuff to talk about on it but my suspicion is we have the same idea in terms of what we meant by combining so
1: oh yeah let me hear what you got to say yeah action
0: sequence right taking out the riddler's men and stuff by the way i gotta watch it again i'm pretty sure those guys end up accidentally shooting each other on that but like is Batman responsible for that? We'll have to debate on that in another video. But but uh, those
1: guys, I, okay. Real ahead. quick about that, I, I was thinking that too. Mm-hmm. The 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 Riddler dudes, the Henchmen, they, I think we can kind of assume they're wearing Kevlar.
0: That's what I was thinking too.
1: Yeah, they're these dudes are decked out like like a QAnon militia group. Yeah, I'm just gonna give the movie the fucking benefit of the fucking doubt that they're wearing Kevlar. He didn't I mean and Batman knows that. He used a mm-hmm. detective brain. He knows it, he's been punching him, he's been duking him out, duking it out with him for, a, for yeah. a bit. So he fucking internet give this movie a fucking break. Give yeah. that give yeah. that part a break. Please. We don't
0: know if they're going to jump on it, but we're just predicting right now cuz this is before the movie's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, I'm
1: not used to these advanced screenings. We're I know, this I know. It's uh, so interesting. Yeah,
0: you and us talking about it is before other people can talk to us about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: I think... Th- okay, so then he, we get that beat with him, stopping that. Then he's nearly killed. Selena saves him. Then guy comes to attack Selina. Batman's fear kicks in in terms of somebody cares about being in danger, gives himself the adrenaline shot, beats the shit out of the guy, but ends up getting stopped. And the guy says, I'm vengeance. And that creates Batman realizing I got to be more sees that people are in trouble and decides to become a savior. And, you know, that's, that's the, that's the finale. That's the third act. And I think when you were talking about it, cause I, I don't know, it wasn't something where I'm just like, this is amazing, but it's also not something that I thought was bad. But in thinking about it, I'm just like, you know what? You could have really just combined those two. Who says Wait, that you explain,
1: asked, explain again. What are the two things that need to be, be combined here?
0: Him fighting the Riddler guys. Yeah. Being vengeance and him saving the people. You don't oh. have to make those two separate things. That's what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're in the same ballpark of ideas here. My, Sorry. my, com- combining and maybe it was, and I fucking need to revisit the movie. But okay, there's a few, there's a few things here. I think that the Riddler himself should have said "I'm Vengeance" line, or it should have been like what Riddler gives Batman a riddle, and the answer to the riddle is vengeance or something. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. That, like that triggers that, that should have Riddler's the main villain, man. It shouldn't have been one of the henchmen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, true. you know, so, mm-hmm. and he should Bat, you know, Batman getting his like major lesson in life should have been from the main villain of the movie. So I, mm-hmm. I, I it kills me, man. I, I wish this movie was like a 12 out of 10, but it's, it's just not quite there. Like it has, it has like these kind of minor issues. And then, to combine it like i think i agree with you that it could have combine it even more but like if we're going to have like we find out who the riddler is like the that very fucking second we got to have those bombs going off like yeah yeah like the i think there was a few minutes in between those those actions like we find out who it is it's like i don't give a fuck guess what there's bombs everywhere motherfucker <laughs> like right put those, those two elements of the script right on top of each other. Yeah. And then you get even more cracker Jack, you know? So the police
0: capture him. Edward sees Batman. He smiles. Bombs explode. Boom,
1: boom, boom, boom. boom, And he's just doing the fucking smiles. Like a creepy smile, dude, while he's Mm -hmm. on the ground, maybe handcuffed or something. Yeah. Like I would have been killer, man. Mm -hmm. It's, it kills me. It, Like people were, again, people have been saying this online a lot too. And I kind of agree. It feels like there's like two crescendos. There's two third acts, a third acts a little bit kind of drawn out, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit of like kind of that bloated problem from Dark Knight Rises. Not as bad as that, but I think that there's just so many elements of the movie that are just done so perfectly. Yeah. So, so perfectly. It just kills you whenever you have. These, and we're, you know, anybody on the internet like this, any I mean, even people that are like, you know, screenwriters in Hollywood, if they weren't the screenwriter on this film, we all sit on the sidelines. Yeah. We're, we're, um, backseat drivers or whatever you call it. Like we, we weren't there. We don't know. We didn't write the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, what they did was great, but you know, everyone's a critic, right? So, yeah. So yeah. Including us. Yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, I I like that. I like that idea of capture him, place blows up, there's the floods, Batman has to go after the followers, he beats up the followers but finds that people are in danger, then realizes he has to save the people too. So, that becomes a thing. We get, you know, I'm not saying that I was looking for a repeat of the whole thing from The Dark Knight where he's fighting the SWAT team and saving the hostage type of thing, but that type of thing could have Elevated it a little further, in my opinion. But what we got was still pretty solid. So
1: great cinematography uh, with the fucking player. Too- also, yeah, fucking one. Wonder- yeah, that was wonderful. Yeah, and I he's mean, leading them.
0: He's finally got the light because he's been in the darkness for so long. But he's the one holding that light.
1: That's true. And like doing the most pure thing, which is yeah. He's not fighting a bad guy. He's saving a good people. Yeah. Uh, basically, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, you know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think
0: pretty much the last thing I have here. And if you guys have not seen the movie yet, then I don't know why you're still here, but definitely (laughs) tune out. I
1: don't know. Yeah, it was definitely.
0: But uh, when Matt Reeves was at the Batman 66 Museum, as kind of a tease, he took a shot of the different costumes of the villains, and they were the villains from the 1966 movie. That was Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, and the Joker. This is the first movie since then to have all four of them in the movie.
1: Oh, shit. So, yeah, that's right. That's at right. the end,
0: we're introduced to, as he's credited at the end, an unseen Arkham inmate played by Irish actor Barry Keom from The Eternals, who played Druig. Obviously, this is meant to be the Joker, and he's already in Arkham Asylum. Uh, apparently, he shot other scenes, too, because Matt Reeves, I don't know how this happened, but Matt Reeves has already brought up deleted scenes in interviews. I have a feeling, like, They were not supposed to be released yet because I don't know Mm -hmm. why he would be talking about it this early when the movie's not even out yet by the time of this recording. But he said, quote, there was an earlier scene where Batman went to Arkham to try to profile the Riddler and bury the actor is in that scene. It's a very cool scene. I'm sure we'll release the scene after the movie comes out because it's a really cool deleted scene. I want to see. Everybody wants to see it. You know,
1: Um, yeah, uh, definitely.
0: It's unknown so far if Joker has been there the whole time or if Batman caught him before the events of this movie. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if it's just like, yeah, we already have a history type of thing. Let's just get going on that. We don't need the whole like I don't understand this type of guy either type of thing. Like yeah, he should already know who it is. Good like, for yeah, Nolan,
1: but yeah. yeah, we don't need it again. We don't need that. Just yeah. like, well, it's, it's like the origin. Batman's too mythological. He's too in the in, in the in the ether. Too in the zeitgeist. We well, you know mm-hmm. the score. Just get him punching each other or whatever. Yeah. Or get get him throwing the fucking chattering teeth. Let's mm-hmm. do something, you know? Yeah. And it looks like Although he I wants- do... I want him to be for the third movie in the trilogy, though. I would yeah, like yeah. Mr. Free... Personally, I'd like Mr. Freezer Clayface to... It's more than likely it would be Mr. Freeze. But anyway, for the, the second one... The Puzzler. <laughs> and then the third one, have your fucking trilogy yeah. end on the Joker. Why mm-hmm. make the second one again about the Joker? I think I need to... Yeah. If the, they need to break this pattern. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, in the unmade Darren Aronofsky Batman Year One script, Joker had a cameo in the asylum showing that he was an inmate while Batman was starting out. We also have seen Joker in Arkham before meeting Batman in both the Telltale Games and the end of the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, as well as the Gotham finale, where Jeremiah Valeska appears to awaken from a catatonic state once Batman arrives. We don't get that much of a glimpse of him. He is, quote-unquote, the unseen Arkham prisoner, but you do get to see a little bit of it. He's clearly wearing prosthetics, that Joker kind of looks like the Lee Bermejo version of the Joker to me, yeah. with the, the thick lips and stuff. So we'll, we're bound to see more. I'm sure it's probably not like the full-on final look, and that's why like we didn't get to see much of it. Um, but what did you think of the scene?
1: Uh, well... <laughs> I didn't hate it. I just feel Agreed. like I didn't need it. Like yeah. I, I want to focus on just joke of uh, just Riddler. Yeah. Uh, and and we already have you know two or three other villains. So like it's cool. And I know. Look, we we all get it. Like comics are kind of live in the second act. Comics uh, mm-hmm. are always hinting at the next thing. Um, I think James Gunn even had some line saying no one no one creator gets to end it. Yeah. You know like it that's why it lives in the second act for the most part except for Logan and shit like that but generally co- comic book shits in this in perpetually in the second act and you you keep mm-hmm. on you have that splash page at the end you fucking always hint at the next issue or whatever and that's what this was of course uh like an in-credit scene but not in the end credits. I get it. But if it was cut, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world either. It wouldn't have yeah, it wouldn't have hurt agreed. the film, you know? It's it, again, it's just like the film just a little too long. But when I hint at the Joker real hard. I get it, but it's yeah, just I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What so yeah. you didn't love it either
0: I did not I d I didn't I didn't absolutely love it either. I was hoping that it would be a little bit more of a stronger intro. Of the Joker, on the I mean, they
1: don't they only show like his eyes really right a little bit yeah saw so a little bit of the lips oh yeah. a little bit little bit yeah. yeah
0: yeah it's I mean it works for what it is it's a tease it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be the equivalent of the bank robbery scene from the Dark Knight
1: no 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 it's an it's an it's a Marvel end credit scene in the middle of yeah. the movie mm-hmm. yeah
0: so it it was cool to have it in there but it was as you said it was like well we don't really need this we could have had a different type of thing but you know who are we def- at this point we're just complaining about there being a joker cameo in a, in a batman movie that was 3 hours it's like not we, the we're w- lucky. Yeah.
1: we're feasting it's it's fine Yeah, <laughs> it's, we're, we're we're feasting that's for sure but if they like they, they should have given that screen time to more like unmasked uh riddler or riddler fucking duct taping motherfuckers again or something you know mm-hmm. more juicy evil shit that's yeah. what i want
0: yes so yeah, that pretty much wraps up the easter eggs. Obviously, the big, you know, the main ending is Batman and Catwoman kind of doing their, you know, s- taking their separate waves, ways and stuff. And um, Yeah, that
1: was great. I liked that a lot.
0: Wasn't expecting the final shot to be like basically that character specific. It, I thought it would be like maybe her riding off or him riding off in the uh, in the bat cycle, but it's just the shot of him and then boom, the end. And I thought, I- oh, that's interesting.
1: I like that, too, though. I thought that was understated. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's it's subtle and uh, yeah, just more character driven and yeah, just close up of Batman on his fucking bike. That's cool. Yeah. You know, that that was fucking sweet. So I thought so, too.
0: Yeah. So, there we do. We there, there we've got it. We've made it through the whole movie, all the different Easter eggs. Maybe I missed a few things. Tried my best to go in order. Just going off of memory here, off of last night. But, uh, yeah, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan. Dan has figured it out from watching it, but I kind of pulled one over on him because I asked for a whole bunch of a lot of these images for previous episodes, not letting him know, was actually for the movie coverage.
1: Oh my god! So he wouldn't dude. get
0: spoiled. So uh, obviously I some I had about to do that. My, Yeah, some of these, some of these, I had to do myself because there's a lot of stuff I didn't realize was going to be there. But there was other, there were other things where I'm just like, eh, they're probably going to have this, so I want to be prepared. So I asked him to prepare this for other episodes and just cut them out. And uh, yeah, so now you know. Now you know what those were for. Damn, man,
1: <laughs> that's a, that's Batman planning right there, dude. Thank you.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, say what you will about me, but I will not spoil <laughs> a movie for someone who works for me. So. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, as a quick post-credits, there will be an art of the Batman book with concept art, which shows the concept oh, art for sick. this bat suit, which we see on the right here. It does not have the collar, so oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and the bat symbol is different. It has, it looks like, yeah, it has the
1: ears. I think in this logo, it has ears, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the
0: logo has the ears too. Yeah.
1: Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. On the chest, it has the ears as well.
0: Yeah, on the okay, concept yeah. art. Okay. Hmm. So.
1: Yeah, that's cool. you know they, they draw. Again, we're seeing a finished product. The journey to this finished product, they draw like a thousand things. Yeah. You know so. Yeah, some of it just looks a little different than what we got. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, moving on to the fan comments then. Uh, slight Rebellion off Madison commented on the unmade Batman origins, commenting on our question on who's the highest-paid screenwriter. Mm. Brought up, highest-paid screenwriter of all time is Shane Black, who received $4 million for the long-kiss goodnight. Still haven't
1: seen it. But- I saw this in the theater, I think, with my family, oh. dude. <laughs> 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 my family and I used to see everything together, man. Yeah, I remember uh, from the $10 Patreon. <laughs> real <I'll>, real quick. <laughs> I saw with my entire family, I have two younger brothers and my mom and dad. Okay, my entire nuclear family, as it mm-hmm. were. Uh, we saw Half Baked in the theater. Mm. <laughs> we saw Mall Rats in the theater all together. Uh, and... We almost all super bad all, all together, but my mom left as soon as he started drawing dicks. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that was that drew the line for her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we we saw just all kinds of shit together, man. It's weird. Jeez, probably weird. Well, not that weird, but not everybody did that. I feel like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, I did not. So,
1: <laughs> did you see movies mainly with your dad back in the day, or?
0: Uh, no, I mean I saw with both, but when it was R rated, it was it was one where my dad was. Just like, yeah, come see it. I'm just like, it's R-rated. And are just like,
1: come see it. So I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's like, who gives a <laughs> shit? Yeah, my dad, I, <laughs> not my whole family, but I, I mean, I saw Terminator 2 in the theater when I was like five. Mm-hmm. I was really young seeing Terminator 2. Like, I remember being like, what's that red, what's the red screen all about? And my dad was like, that's robot vision. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I had no idea. I was so young, I had no idea what that was. Mm-hmm.
0: Damn. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that until I was, jeez, I don't know, like 12 or something. I did not see it when I was young.
1: Dude, that's my big in-the-theater claim to fame. For my age, <laughs> yeah. being, being born in 84, mm-hmm. like I saw T2 in the theater, bro. Jeez. But anyway, back to the long kiss. Good night. Thank you for this comment. And that's, that's interesting. I, Four million seems kind of low, actually. But I guess screenwriters just don't get paid guess nearly not. as much as everybody else. I'm in the wrong profession. <laughs> this is like the t- the top the uh, <laughs> top one ever.
0: Yeah. All right. Next one from As Fox brought up that in Telltale's Batman, Bruce's parents get shot in the head. Since we're talking about like where do Bruce's parents get shot and stuff, so yeah, oh, I remember yeah. this. We covered this in the Telltale one where Thomas Wayne gets the bullet through the eye, just like Alex
1: Rocco's. Oh yeah. In the Godfather. So this is when I asked, like, do they get shot in the torso generally or not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Telltale cool. just sounds went. Sounds good.
0: Right to R-rated. So uh, we also have a long comment on Twitter from Mark Lestrange or Lestrange. So it says, hey, guys, love the show. I heard a few times you guys make jokes about Prince's involvement in 1989's Batman. There's a story there. Burton originally used uh, used Prince's songs as temp music when making the movie. 1999 was used in the museum scene originally, and Baby, I'm a Star was used during the parade scene. Apparently, the WB execs loved the idea, and when they asked Prince for permission, Prince saw an opportunity. He offered to write songs, which WB loved as Prince was on their label, Corporate Synergy. Prince watched the work print and decided he wanted to make a whole album, and apparently kept hounding Burton with questions and ideas. Burton claims (laughs) it was a very stressful experience and tainted his love for Prince. The Batman album was very successful for Prince, and three music videos were made from it. There is a really cool unused demo for a Joker-themed song called Dance with the Devil, which is pretty creepy. I've heard that one. It's it's great. Um, I have heard these things, but I've also heard from Danny Elfman that uh, John Peters had considered having Prince do the score for uh, Batman 89. So that seems very different from this version of the story where Prince was kind of just used as temp track stuff. So I'm not really sure. Uh, so please, if you have official sources on this, uh, either from Prince himself, Tim Burton himself, John Peters, Send them over, I just I wanna to get to like the bottom of the story and what's true and what's not on this. 'cause I've here I've heard a lot of different conflicting information. And maybe at some point we'll do a ten dollar Patreon just on the Prince album.
1: <laughs> oh, there's a lot there too. A music yep. one. Oh, yeah. I mean you said originally that Burton didn't want to do to to have Prince in it, right?
0: I think he says that in the Burton on Burton book. I have to look it up again. Where he's just like, uh, Yeah, I didn't really want to do this.
1: Because I remember I made the comment, like, you're the number one director at the time, you're doing the tin pole franchise movie mm-hmm. for a studio such as Batman 89, and you still don't get everything that you want. Yeah. And that was because of the... You know, you, we, we talked about it not uh, him, him not wanting Prince. So, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll have to dig deeper.
0: Yeah. So let us know. but well, thank you for that, Mark Lestrange or Lestrange. And uh, yeah, that is it. Coming soon to HyperX.com, HP.com, and more fine retailers, the HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless.
1: The Cloud Alpha Wireless gets up to 300 hours of battery life, so you'll spend less time charging your headset and more time charging into action.
0: The dual chamber drivers enhanced by premium DTS Headphone X spatial audio provide reduced distortion, allowing you to hear audio cues with pinpoint precision.
1: Up to 300 hours of battery, two chambers, zero wires, the new HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless.
0: Over to the uh, shout-outs.
1: Lestrange. Okay, yeah, thank you for those comments, everybody, and... We want to thank our Patreon supporters who are Shasta Leom O, Super Emperor Man Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willick, Nick Noir, Jeffrey R, Asgood's Web, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, Ian Justice, Jared P, Jamie H, Rochelle L, Skyler, T.D., Sketchcraft, Braxton W, Renee V, J.D., Logan Wood, who is Shane Helms, 121 on Instagram, Griffin W, Daniel V, and Pete B., also, want to thank our other supporters Sparkageddin's SCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Cookie Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, EH, Walter the Robot, John Wells, Rye Guy, Jackson Putnam, Tway N, and Watson, who was Stage Bad on Instagram, Joey, who was W.Media on Instagram, Paul G, and Derek O. List is getting longer, man. Yep. List is getting longer. More supporters. Woo! Okay uh also so yeah please go to uh, patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod and that's where you can look at the or you can um yeah sign up for the tiers which are the one dollar tier gets you uh, the shout out five dollar tier gets you a whole other show on fridays so this show here is on mondays and this patreon show where we do even deeper dives is uh, on every Friday. So you can cancel anytime also if you want. Um, you can just binge the whole thing in a month if you want. Just spend $5. You know, we've probably had people do that already. So whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's there. It's legal. So yeah, do that if you want. Uh, the $10 tier gets you uh, everything before that. The $1 tier and the $5 tier. But also you can join a monthly meetup or well, meetup monthly and have a topic at hand to discuss and to just kind of, you know, kind of hang out with the listeners of the show and get to know everybody uh, a little bit more that way via, you know, a Zoom-like environment. So there's that. And uh, please go to uh, go to superhousepod.redbubble.com or superhero superherostuffpod.threadless.com to get our merch. You get Ben man Indeed wizard and that other guy. <laughs> no, is that Zach? Zakula, uh, mugs, shirt, shower curtains, and all that artwork mm-hmm. by Stefan Santa Cruz on that one. Please send us some audio still trickling in. Would like more. I would like so much. I wouldn't even know what to do with from everybody sending stuff. Just please send some sort of audio to us. Can be anything. Superhousepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Yeah please send us an audio clip. That'd be great. Uh, you too can be on the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. ThunderwolfDrew.com uh, has all my portfolio except for one place, which is Amanorecon.com. It's A M A N N O R E C O N. This is uh, basically, again, Stranger Things meets Power Rangers, but R-rated and bloodier. It's an original idea. It's not a fan film. Some people think it's a Power Rangers fan film. It is not, although it is very, uh, you know, influenced. it's got a, it's heavily influenced from that thing. So mm-hmm. there is that, and uh, we're gonna have an Indiegogo campaign. Indiegogo is like Kickstarter, but it is uh, a little bit more geared towards indie film. So, uh, and also we have. 17 seconds of the, of, uh, our campaign video right here. And, uh, and we hope you enjoyed that. So, uh, yeah, we finally debuted some footage on the show. If you followed our social media, it's already been out for a week or so, Um, but yeah, it's on the show now, finally, and uh, have something to show, and we're working on more. Uh, You know, it just takes a long time to get these things done, but anyway, that's it for me. Ben?
0: You can follow us on social media at Twitter, SuperhousePod, Instagram, SuperheroStuffPod, TikTok, SuperheroStuffPod, Vero, SuperheroStuffPod. Uh, Shout-out to Copy Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. My website is benwanrider.com, where you can read various scripts. Gotham Vampire, where Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk. Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective. And Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the curb episode they could never make, where Larry David goes to Disneyland. If my you YouTube guys want a curb
1: a... cast, just let us know, bro. We can, <laughs> yes, ben let us and know I can if you want this. a podcast on that. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below where you can check out Doctor Who, the Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, narrate, and edit. And uh, my personal Instagram is Ben Ryder. My son's Instagram, Alfie, is alfiepennyworthcat. And if you have an Alfie or a cat of your own, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. If you don't have a cat but you have a dog, that's cool too because you can get yeah, you can get the bark box, y'all. Yes. <laughs> Give your dog exactly what they want, which is the bark box.
1: Yeah, you can canine. Get,
0: yes. You can get the link in the uh, basically in our user promo link to get the first month off free, valued at $35, and you can get all that type of stuff at superhero slash shop And I think that is it.
1: Oh man, you know. We want you to do us a favor.
0: We want you to tell all your friends about us.
1: Who are you, man? <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.